small stuff, but oh my god, can't it work. When we brought the name Bad Boy Mike Barnes, Bad Boy mm-hmm. Mikey Barnes, they were like, the plan is always to get Mikey Barnes back in this show. Now, I don't know if that will be season four or when they definitely greenlight a season five and Mikey Barnes comes in with, like, a new dojo or some, like, international dojo and we turn it into Mighty Ducks 2. I don't know. But you know Mikey Barnes might be in four, will definitely be in five. I in this image right here I, I did want- so good. I didn't want to say leaving up to or leading up again. You know, I was so relieved by the moment that we see Robbie there in the dojo with Crease, and you're like, "Oh my God, this is beautiful. This is exactly what I wanted." But another moment that I was really excited about, and it's that moment you get when you're watching the newest episode of Breaking Bad, or in my case right now, I'm really excited for Better Call Saul to come back, right? And you're getting, and you you happen to pause the video, and you see how much time is left in the episode, yeah, and that's either a good thing or a bad thing, right? And I was so relieved when we were in episode nine of season three, and we we're like, the All Valley Tournament has not happened yet. This shit yeah. is not going to happen this it's season. They're going to save this for season four. Mm-hmm. I was so relieved, but like leading up to that, knowing, oh, this is like. Some shit's going to happen before we even get there, and I'm so excited for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because we need Miguel totally back in perfect health. Yep. Totally. Yeah. I don't want a half Miguel. I want no. 110% Miguel. I will say my biggest disappointment with season three is that I am not on the press side officially for all this. Because oh. the press got sent a Netflix care package that included a bomber jacket. Andy, this bomber jacket is reversible. Mm-hmm. Where one side you. is Cobra Kai and the other side is Miyagi Do. Oh my god! Oh my god. Oh my god, that's cool. This is the I would have got a collider every fucking day for this shit. This is the stuff we would have got a collider back in the day for sure, and it's a bummer that that was run into the ground by a bunch of morons. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is that does sound effing incredible, and I know that, that they would have awesome. sent one care package to Collider, and I would got I would have got none of that. I'm just shocked that you guys aren't getting a Cobra Kai care package. We're just not on that. We're, we're not on the we'll entertainment side of things, we'll man. We got, if anyone has access to this bomber jacket, please hook me up. I can't even find a picture of it now. That's not my, thing is, my thing is, I don't know about you guys, but I just want to be William Zappa's friend. Because yeah. he's like, yeah. he's the only one that ever came in. He does not like press. He's very shy. That he's, He doesn't like stardom. Uh, so I think I is, think that's changing. I think with all this, it's changing. Because like, uh, a, good, a very good friend of the show, Cameron Cuff, Got to be on a panel with him fairly recently. Okay. And he was saying that William Zapka is the absolute best human being he's ever met. And that, that he's awesome. Wait, and how do I know Cameron Cuff? He was on, he came in the Krypton. Right? Yeah, he came in Yeah, he probably had him on for, he was on the Krypton for a while. He was yeah, a star he of that came Krypton in show. and he recognized me before I recognized him. He's like, oh, Josh, kind of funny. I was like, oh, yeah, what's up? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cam's awesome. Um, yeah, I, awesome yeah, can we take a second and just talk about, the moment where he's like, do you have any pictures of yourself? And he's like, yeah, I got a lot of pictures of myself. And it's all the glam shots of William Zabka just jacked out with baby oil all over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mullet is unbelievable. Unreal. The baby oil line is so good. So yeah. it's, everywhere. <laughs> it's true, it does. One of, one of my best friends in the world, James Burke, uh, me and my friend group have – this He's relationship with him, that everyone that's ever met him has the same relationship, where you love him, but God, you hate him and his decisions, and he's such a fucking doofus. He has, he's so stuck in his ways, and the moment we watched Cobra Kai, both seasons one and two, 
everything Johnny Lawrence does, it's like, oh my God, it's James, the, James. the hash browns, <laughs> yeah. the like not knowing the internet, having a flip phone, like all that stuff is so James. Like, oh, go on the dating app and what, like, what do you use Google for? Hot babes. It's like so yeah. embarrassingly. <laughs> yeah. This fucking season when he does the Facebook message to Allie and it's just a all caps block of like wall of text. Like, yeah, our group thread was just blowing up, just making fun of James <laughs> for for all of it, and it's just like I, I forget the point that I was trying to make here for where <laughs> where, where, where I started James. this. Yeah, no, but like, but there was one like real like we were where, talking about the I, photos. We were talking about the, the photos. Baby. Oh yeah. my god! So James is is on, on dating apps right now, and he's he's always talking to us about like, hey, help me with my profile or what. He's actually not doing that. That's not true. The women in our lives are like, James, we're going to help you with your profile. Because this profile is all pictures of us when we were in, like, fucking high school. When he was, like, <laughs> skinny as – he was, like, 150 pounds lighter. <laughs> it's just, like, <laughs> stop. So when this happened, the group thread was blowing up. <laughs> just, these freaking Johnny Lawrence pictures of him in the 80s. It's just so fucking good. It was, so, it was, that whole sequence was so great. That whole sequence was great, and this is back to where, you know, you know – I don't. I, I think we kind of also just glossed over like Dinkel being able to walk again, which is <laughs> and then really he gets cool. thrown Crazy. like into a wall, like clearly onto his spine, and you're like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, God, but yeah. Kevin, I do want to point out that yeah, that baby oil line was just such a great joke. Like that's just good fucking comedy writing. I laughed so hard. Yeah, he said, we gotta get some new photos. He's like. Well, I mean, the baby oil, you know, it's really messy. Yeah. It's like, we don't have to take photos of the baby oil. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's the Sarpino line. That yeah. Is yeah. God, totally. I so hard. That's so hard at that line. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Makuga sent Kevin the video of his reaction to the Kevin, end of season get it? three. Kev, I don't know why I can't, see, I can't see the stream. I don't know why I can't, can't see the really stream anymore. Uh, I once, I'm going to be back one second. Yeah, no, it's not. It's just in this infinite kind of that little loading, Kevin, where the two. Yeah, mine too. Huh. Oh, God. This is 46 seconds. Yeah, if you want to close it out oh, fully. And then I'm going to close back. out of Discord. Yeah. I'll come back in. How do I do that? Wait. Are you on a Mac? Just shut down Discord and then come back Come back in. You it? have to go to the dock and close well, it. Well, let's see if it works for Andy. All right. Is it working for me? <laughs> I can do it. Andy? Okay. Ba, 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 yeah. What? Wait, hold on. Let me start my video. Okay. There we go. All right, I'm back. Okay. You see it? No, you guys, let me precursor it. Let me precursor okay, it real quick. I didn't know she was filming, uh, and I'm working out at the same time as I'm watching the final. Fuck you. I love it. I love it. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you wear the headband, buddy? Oh, yeah. Oh. Use the sun out. This is... Good. Oh my god, this has to get moving too. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Doing some leg raises. Doing some leg raises. <laughs> you, you knew you got caught, my friend. I you got caught You got caught Like Wait, that was so, so much better than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
You did the exact same thing I did when I forgot my wife was in the room. And that happened, and I started throwing karate blocks and looked over and realized she could still see me. You got so embarrassed, you punched your way through it. Yeah, oh. that's the moment right there, but you, you gotta finish it. You gotta finish You gotta go, man. You gotta commit. What Those shorts are on point. Hit me with a little haiku interview. Seven syllables <laughs> in the middle. You'll need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku in review. Haiku in review. You can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny to write your review in haiku form just like Lily the Billy did. Tori and Robbie, new evil power couple. I'm calling it now. Jeremy Zuccarello, a.k.a. The Zook. The Zuki says, one hell of a show. Asthma, not in this dojo. Look at Johnny Joe. <laughs> Appreciate the rhymes. Always appreciate the rhymes. Ignacio Rojas says, fucking love this show. The fights, the twists, it nails it. And that soundtrack, man. So true. Uh, Americo says, Johnny sweeps the leg with that Miyagi dough. Dough. This ends with crane kicks. <laughs> I, I really hope that it does. I really hope that it does. Bro, when and he had the blueprint. When he had a blueprint for the crane kick, and I was like, that's how he knew. He had the blueprint, Tim. It's so dumb. I love it. Uh, Chance Carter says, the middle truth lies, but a simple truth remains. Cobra Kai, never. Never. He just leaves it. He just leaves it. That's really sad. Uh, and then the last one I would want to do, actually, is Black Jack. Cobra Kai revived. Two JoJo's, creeds to live by. Robbie turns dark side. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. Now it is time to rank the Karate Kid universe. Currently, number one. The Karate Kid. Number two, The Karate Kid Part 3. Number three, The Karate Kid Part 2. And number four, The Next Karate Kid. I want to start it off here. I said earlier that Ask Me on the Day and the three seasons of Cobra Kai can go any which way. And I, I truly do stand by that. But I'm just going to start this by saying that I think Cobra Kai, all three seasons, are the top three. Wow. So we're ranking, so wait, just we, for clarity, we're ranking yeah. each season separately. We're, right? we're ranking them separately. We are ranking each season okay. separately. Really right. and we're just having the discussion for right now. I would but say I'm just that, saying that I, I think Cobra Kai takes everything that makes Karate Kid special in every which way and only elevates it. And we're lo- very little is lost from it not being a movie. And in fact, I think that season by season, they're all better than even the Karate Kid movie number one, which is a fantastic film. I think I think an argument can be made. I think that the fact that this is a 10-episode arc of each season really, really helps the show. And I think this is just a lot more clever. But, you, I mean, this is not going to – man, I'm not going to say too much to the comments. Says, of course, Nick's going to like number one better. I just think you don't get here without number one. And I still think number one, Karate Kid Part 1, is just a classic and a very impactful movie. And I, I just – I can't see putting anything above it. But for sure – all three seasons are better than the rest of the movies. Well, here's yeah, my wait, opinion. Nick, real real okay. quick, Nick, Nick like, I, I think you're making the wrong argument. I agree that, that, number one, I think it should still be on top. But I think what it does is everything the show does, but it does it in the compact form where it's like it hits you with the feels. It hits you with the, like, crazy fight scenes that you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, the hype moments. So I just – I think that that's definitely Miyagi, the one. 
When Mr. Miyagi comes up and says, show me sand the floor. And then it culminates with, hide, 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 hide. And he's just blocking like a motherfucker. He's like, I didn't even know I had that in me. That was, that was amazing. That was amazing. Okay, let me just, let me say this, okay? It's sort of like, you know, my favorite so-and-so is this because it gave us Cobra Kai, right? Which mm-hmm. I understand, Nick. You know, it's, it's uh, the best football game was from like 1951 because it was the first overtime game. They ran the ball like 600 times. I, that's not the football that we know, right? Karate Kid set the foundation. Yes, amazing movie. Yes, awesome. All of it said it. But I personally think Cobra Kai's 1, 2, and 3 are better than Karate Kid 1. I'm kind of with him on this one. If I was going to do anything, I would say that Cobra Kai Season 1, Cobra Kai Season 3, Karate Kid Part 1, Cobra Kai Season 2. Well, this is going to get really complicated. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If I get outvoted on this, I won't be disappointed. I won't be like... What? You know. so, so, Nick, like to, to go back to it, Eddie, I want to get to you in just one sec. But uh, with with what you're saying, and I know you like the original thing, because I do think it's different here because Karate Kid 1 is actually phenomenal. I think it's really good, yeah. Yeah, uh, so I, so I, I, yeah go ahead. Just, just real quick, like to, to put this into Fast and Furious language, I know that a lot of people like talk shit about me always relating these Fast and Furious, but certain things need to be, and Karate Kid and Cobra Kai mm-hmm. are one are something that definitely does. Cobra Kai seasons one, two, and three are fast five, six, seven. Yeah, and yeah. it's like that to me, I'm just like, there is something so fucking special there. That oh, yes, we wouldn't have got there without the earlier ones, but like it's just everything I like about it. And I think that getting away from Fast and Furious talk more just about Cobra Kai there's a comedy to Cobra Kai that really fucking works and an right. insaneness and an in on the jokeness that yeah. Karate yeah. Kid 1 just simply doesn't you're selling, you're selling me you're selling me on this I, I think but Andy, Andy, I, though, Andy I want to I want to hear Andy Cortez's time I, I would disagree there because I do think that Miyagi while being this incredible sort of you know role model to look up after and to learn from there are still lots of moments of levity between he and Daniel while they're starting to get to, to get to know each other. Um, I I understand why Nick says like all oh, the conversation is shit at me because I always do this thing where like oh, you can't have the new ones without the old one, so I like the old one more. But the old one is just actually really fucking good. Like it's just it's an actually really good ass movie, and so that's why I would probably put number one Karate Kid still at number one. Tim, um, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, to make this make way more sense, we're going to rate each season one at a time, right? So we're going to – right now, we're, yeah. we should be having a discussion of where season one lands in the rating. Or the rating. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, yeah, we're going to vote on – Well, I know, but exactly. I'm saying – I just want to have an overall conversation yeah. about just – where are we thinking about the whole the whole thing? Yeah, obviously, obviously, movies two and three, like not good movies. I like part three because it was very entertaining and it was silly as shit and it was just bonkers. Um, but I will agree that yeah, I like seasons one through three better than the any all the movies except part one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So okay, guys, so let, let's let's jump to it. Season one, we're gonna we're gonna rank it. We're gonna say where we think it, it goes. Does anybody have anything to say before we start voting? I think season one is the strongest season. I, I, I think the season three is more enjoyable, but I think season one, start to finish, has explores the themes the best. I think it's the most creative, and I think it's the most clever of all of them. So I would probably put that above all the other seasons. Me too. And I think I would, I would put it. I mean, I would put it at number two. I'm going back and forth between maybe that being number two or number one, but I still think Karate Kid part of part one, and then season one. Followed by probably season three and then season two. Well, see, this is where it's getting all muddy, where it's like we should just be talking about where season one ranks right now. 
Okay. Season, season one, one for me ranks at number two. Number two. For me. Season one ranks at number two for me. And you agree, Same I here. do? Same here. Makuga, you say it's number one above Karate Kid, like I do? Yes. So, okay. So the dialogue. Yeah, I was both off the notepad. Sorry, I would have made a graphic. I just, I didn't really. It's okay. I, I probably, I wasn't listening when you told me how we were going to rank it. <laughs> so then, uh, a lot's been going on. Uh, season two, anything people want to say? I quickly want to say that I think that season two will always be my favorite of the seasons, specifically really? because of that end. Like, okay. it all builds up so well, and the final so episode amazing. is it's you're not wrong. with the bowl. Like, it is so damn hype. And, and I love that season two focused a lot more on the kids and the relationships and the Disney Channel original movie style fucking, like, will they, won't right. they, and oh shit, they did, and Bubble all that does. stuff. I love that shit so much. Um, however, like, currently where I'm at, I'm feeling three, two, one. In, in terms damn. Because, like, Bold. season three was just so impressive to me where – we should be running out of gas on all of this. And Netflix they really the budget. Like, it, and the moment that like that really won me over was uh, in, in thinking the three is the best is uh, Hawk breaking Dimitri's arm. That yeah. was such a yeah. ruthless, like, oh, my God, the grassy, they're going there type moment yeah. that I didn't expect. I thought we were just going to keep getting more of the same, and, like, Miguel's uh, incident was going to be the the, like, lowest the show ever gets in terms of, like, Tone. characters, like tone and all that stuff. Yeah. And I was just shocked. And the way that it all pays off, I'm like, wow, they, these motherfuckers know what they're doing. They're building something great. And yeah, the end of this was so great. I agree with Andy. The fight scene wasn't nearly as good as season two's end, but like, it was incredible. It only, I'm only speaking negatively of it, negatively about it because season two was so amazing in the school. Yeah, I mean. Wait, I'm sorry, you're talking about season the house three, fight. right? I, I was talking about two and three. I'll tell you the fight scene in two is just so ten out of ten perfect. Yeah. That the Christmas fight in three is just like it's like a nine out of ten, but it's not yeah. a ten out of ten. So okay. we talk about it, we're like, eh, it's not that good because we know what ten out of ten looks like. Right. You know. Let's yeah. vote for two. Who thinks that season two of Karate of Cobra Kai is better than the Karate Kid Part One? Raise your hand. You okay. start at the bottom usually. <laughs> well, why do you start at the top there, Big Cat? Because right now the rankings are. Everyone, we already said we, we all already said it's above the other ones. Okay. No, we yeah. said that right now well, the standing well. is Karate Kid Part One, and then Season One is number two. So right. we need to know if we need to know if Season Two is better than you're Season right. One. You're, you're, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Sorry. Uh, is it better than Season One? Raise your hand. I'm the only one, so that means it is number three. Now let's. I hear what you're saying, Greg. Uh, Tim, like the final fight is so goddamn good that it kind of it kind of like you know brings up season two uh, quite a bit of notches for me. But I still think season one is just so great. And I was it you know you got a good story and good characters when I'm heartbroken by a character turn. And Miguel turning bad at the end of season one really bummed me the fuck out. Um, Yeah, so season two had cruel summer. It did, yeah. It really did. It sure did. Here's here's what gets interesting for me, because season two and season three are very close. Season two has that amazing fight scene at the end, but what it keeps coming back to me, and the thing I'll remember most about this series, and this is, of course, my just touchstone for it, is that hug between Johnny and Allie at the outside of the Encino Oaks Country Club, where they both realize that it's time to move on, 
right? Her in her own way because she's going through a divorce and Johnny because he's been holding on to this ideal of Allie for so long that he's been living in the past. To me, that moment, to me, the fact that got Elizabeth Shue to come back, to me, the fact that she was just in it to win it from the get-go, put season three and the fact that, of course, the challenges this game, we've come full circle. Now they're going to settle the score on the mat like they should have done from the beginning with. I put season three just a little nudge ahead of season two. Me too. Um, and, and for all the same reasons. I actually so tough for me. season one. I think there's so much that happens. You're a monster. I, 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 I mean, I, I okay. love everything. It's great. They're all great. They're all fucking yeah. great. But it's just season three rushes everything up to 11. And it's like at any moment these fuckers are ready to throw down. And it's like what I want from Karate Kid. Like I want a Karate yeah. World. And that's what they're giving us with season three. There's fucking alliances yeah, like, and people are the, the, getting revenge. The hostile takeover of Cobra Kai – and the the sort of long storytelling of Terry Silver yeah, in Vietnam, like cool. all of that stuff is just so good, man. And and I'm just thinking about the final moments of Johnny Lawrence walking out with with Phil Collins playing in the background. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that scene again when oh, we're done. I know, me too. The final votes on you, Andy. Wait, really quick, wait, wait, really quick. One more thing I want to add. It's not only that. It's like the fight we get with crew uh, with um. What's Creed. his name? Creed. Creed. And uh, Lawrence? Uh, no, not Lawrence. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, LaRusso. Lawrence Both. turning into LaRusso and LaRusso doing the new technique. And, like, was he going to kill him? Was he about to kill Creed? He was going to kill him, bro. He was like, going to kill him. It's wild. <laughs> it's the so karate Andy, world, Andy, Kevin Here's Doug. the thing. Indy's voting. We've all voted now of where we're putting this. So the rankings currently stand, Karate Kid, season three, season one. Oh, fuck, I said that wrong. No, season one. Karate Kid. My notes are really fucked right now. Sorry, guys. It's Karate Kid, season one, season two. Andy, you are the de- deciding vote on season three. Does it go above or below season one? Oh, it's so tough above to say. Because, like, I didn't, love the, I didn't love the Japan trip more than I liked a lot of the stuff in season two. But the ending of season three is so fucking good. So good. Um... I'm going to go with what have you done for me lately. I'll go with season three over season two. Yes. Andy, you never yeah. wrote the way I want you to. All right. Number one, Karate Kid. Number two, season three of Cobra Kai. Number three, season one of Cobra Kai. Number four, season two of Wait. Cobra Kai. I thought, we, I thought we ranked season one at number two. No, we, we bumped three over it. We bumped yeah. three over it. Okay, I apologize. Over it, yeah. so, so three is number two. Okay, that's so oh, I didn't realize that. I might have totally fucked this up. I think you, I think original. I, so I think I think how it was ranked. Dog, if, if how I had this one, so season, yes, Nick is right. Karate Kid, Karate Kid Part One right. is number right. one. Yeah. Cobra Kai season one is number two. Oh. Mm-hmm. Cobra Kai season three is number three, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Cobra Kai season two is number four. And then who gives yes. a shit about the rest of the movie? And then three, yeah. two, four. That is correct. I apologize. I was doing this on the fly. My in review thing has like ten different franchises. I get it. And, it <laughs> and it is a disaster. So, Karate Kid Part up. One, Cobra Kai Season One, Cobra Kai Season Three, Cobra Kai Season Two, right. Karate Kid Three. Mm-hmm. And then Karate Kid Two, and then Karate Kid, two, two, and then Karate Kid Hillary Swank, the, the Return of Swank. Yeah, I appreciate I all Swank, of you. I want Swank to come in with her own dojo at like season oh, five. Oh, yeah. Want, cool, everyone. That I would be unbelievable. Hawk. I want the hawk. <laughs> and it's called like Falcon or what, what the hell was the hawk. damn bird it called? Hawk. Hawk. Oh, yeah, it had hawk. a name, Hawk's though. mom, dude. Ah! Watch her be Hawk's mom. Ah! That would be 
<laughs> you hear that echo? That was a dope echo, dude. That was insane. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for joining us on this journey, this amazing karate journey. Karate is life, everybody. We will return for uh, Cobra Kai Season 4 when it inevitably happens. Uh, but until then, remember, in review continues on. So many more franchises this year, starting next week with Edgar Wright in review and John Wick in review. Until next time, Makuga, where can people find you? At Josh Makuga, Twitter and Instagram, and the Good People Association launching in two weeks. There we go. What's the date? Do you have a date? It's going to be Monday, January 18th. Be there. Be square. Until next time. (laughs) Cobra Guy never dies. Kidding me? Welcome back to Kind of Funny Spider-Man in review. That new intro, of course, made by Carter Harrell and Cameron Kennedy. Damn, it is fire. I think I've seen that 20 times this week. I just can't stop playing it. It is one of the most hype intros we have ever had. It's amazing. I just I just want to ask, what are we going to do now that, now that we're finishing up the Raimi movies? That's the Raimi font and the Raimi open. <laughs> Oh, thank you, because this is kind of funny. Spider-Man <laughs> Universe in review, rewatch. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes, and I am joined by that beautiful voice you just heard, Anthony Carboni. Hello. It's a pleasure to be back. It is. Even if Can't it's wait. Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> we have the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Great afternoon, Tim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To you as well. And rounding out the crew this week, we have the one, the only, Blessing, Adioye Jr., my favorite part of those intros, uh, of that intro, are probably the appearances of Shirtless Spider-Man and Shirtless Miles Morales, two mm-hmm. superheroes that we've never gotten the identities for. Yeah, one <laughs> day. day. I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. The world must know. Uh, of course, this is Kind of Funny's interview, where each and every week we rank and review and recap two different movies. Uh, we're doing a rewatch of all the Spider-Man movies, all the Sam Raimi ones, the Mark Webb ones, and the uh, John Watts ones leading into Spider-Man No Way Home. Which, real quick, Kev, can you actually bring up the poster? Because this dropped last night. The official poster for Spider-Man No Way Home. It's pretty damn awesome. There's our boy the... in the background. There he is. Real gotta tiny. Get an enhance, gotta get an enhance, enhance, enhance into the gobby. <laughs> That's Willem Dafoe right there. That's crazy. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Time, I think time has proved me right because they are using the same suit and it looks dope. It looks great. <laughs> <in that poster. laughs> it, it won't let me go deeper than where we're going now. Yeah, well, it's because it, it doesn't want you to see between the cracks of the Willem Dafoe suit. That's, that's why it's like the size of a peanut back there. But I love that we get, we I love that it. we get we the, uh, the lightning. I love that we get the sand in the back. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're teasing. We're teasing all these things that we know are coming. You can almost many, hear uh, Thomas Hayden Church from that sand. How many villains are represented here? Because I see Green Goblin. Those are obviously the, the Doc Ock tentacles. There's the, the Thunder. That's Electro. What is that smoke in the background? Now, I think that's, I think that's sand, that's sand. And I want to say sand. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Oh, 
Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I love you so much, Bless. Of course, this is in review. You can watch on YouTube.com slash kindoffunny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to get it as a podcast, just search your favorite podcast service for Kind of Funny in Review, and we'll be right there for you. Uh, if you wanted to get the show ad-free, if you wanted to watch it live as we record it, you've got to go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, just like our Patreon producers Molecule and Pranksy have done. Uh, today we're brought to you by Overland, Shin Megami Tensei Five, Raycon, and Arcane. <laughs> Uh, but we'll tell you all about those later. Guys, Blessing didn't know that Raycon was by Ray J, and we were doing the ad earlier, and he saw, he was like, man, that man looks like Ray J. And it's like, Bless, that man is Ray J. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing, Blessing. I didn't know that either, but that actually reflects negatively on you, that I didn't know it. That's the stuff that everyone else that's younger than me should know, but I learned that today. Too. I, I mean, this is wild to me because I Ray J I don't he's see as like so the guy funny. that's out there making big business moves. I still see Ray J as being Brandy's brother. I see Ray J as being how do you see the guy who made the hit single One Wish, the song yeah, I, I love, love so much. What a, what a great hit, Kevin. I think we have to watch the clip again. We just have to because Nick and Carvoni need to see this. I think Nick saw because Nick they they played some Ray J stuff during the morning show. It wasn't that no good. Mike Mike said the same thing to me. He was like, "Did you know that Raycon was Ray J?" I was like I had no idea, and that prompted the whole the whole him telling the story about blessing. But I'll, I'm down to watch the clip again as long as it's not embarrassing for me. The clip yeah, is golden. We need to watch this clip because Carboni, this might be one of the funniest things ever caught on camera. Kev, please hit play. Tossing the glasses, that they're unbreakable. Unbreakable? They're Test unbreakable. Test Break them. Step on them right now. No, you step on them. It's your product. You step on them. Go ahead. Speedy, step on them. I can't do that. You can. I bet you I can break these. They're unbreakable. Speedy. They're not unbreakable. Speedy, don't tell me they're unbreakable. Listen, don't challenge me. Listen, don't challenge me, Richard. I will break them. Listen, Speedy, they're unbreakable. They cannot break. It's impossible. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> that's that's great. We watched another one today that that Mike showed me, which is how many times can Ray J's beanie like change? Like, that's a good one. On his head, that no. is amazing. The hubris. <laughs> the hubris. God, I love this podcast. How long one is that? How long is that video? The beanie. The one. hubris will that beanie is not very Ray long. We don't watch it. Downfall. Because I kind of want to watch that beanie one. You got, have you seen the beanie one? <laughs> I have not seen the beanie one. Oh, Tim, you, you got to see the beanie one. one. I don't want to talk about Spider-Man. No, roll the beautiful beanie footage. Okay, roll the beautiful beanie footage because i got to grab my coffee. Roll the beanie footage. Who's trying to find it? Kevin, who's trying to find it? Yeah, you know I got it. Yeah, yeah, it was on today. Oh, man. This is the best shit. This is the kind of stupid shit that we would do. And and you would think it's hilarious, but don't watch it. We delete all the it. God, it's so funny. God bless. God bless everything. Well, while that's happening, let me tell you some things here. Uh, This movie is Spider-Man 3 with a runtime of 2 hours and 20 minutes. This was released May 4th, 2007. Iron Man was released May 2nd, 2008. I just want to give that context to you all. Wow, things change real fast. I was thinking about that as I was watching this movie, and I was like, damn, I get it now. I get why people hate on this movie. I mean, I'll I mean, hate on this movie, but... It's such damn. a clear demarcator of the end of one era and the beginning of another, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's wild. Everything changes. Everything oh, changes. Uh, directed once again by Sam Raimi. Oh, are we ready for the beanies, Kev? <laughs> there we are. <laughs> we gotta listen to it. Can we listen to it?
I, I mean, the conversation doesn't matter, but yeah. That's true. Okay. Is that kind of an upside over half a year? Okay, now it's way back. Now it's way back. Full ear. Okay, now it's just completely pulled down. Full ear coverage. What the fuck? Look at his head. Okay, now what happened there? What is that? <laughs> now he's a gnome. What? <laughs> Why is it counted at the edge of the great? This must have been on purpose. Yeah. It's There's no way. It. It's not. Like, how? How did that happen? Was that the one who said it? Yeah, that's one wish right there. But, like, how does that happen to where, like, one, how many times did, that happen? did, did they capture that conversation? Did they shoot that? No. And I, then who in editing put that together and thought that that was okay? No, yeah, I but, like, when we see shots, we see the, the they cut to a, his, his back, and he's not adjusting it, and they cut to his front, and the audience is saved, so they must have stitched it all together. It's weird. Something if, like that, if, yeah. if, it, if Ray J didn't think he was doing a bit, the editor was definitely doing a bit. Somebody, somebody just, there understood it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's just the magic of Ray J. It's the magic. If, if I had one wish, that's what it would be. Uh, this movie was directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, the music was done by... Not Danny Elfman. Uh, Danny Elfman did one and two. This was done by Christopher Young. Composer Danny Elfman does not return to provide the musical score for this film, citing creative differences with Sam Raimi during Spider-Man 2 that Carboni went into a lot last week. Uh, instead, Christopher Young composes the film's score. In December 2006, however, the producer announced that Elfman had collaborated with Young on the film's score music, even though he wasn't credited for it. Uh, interestingly, Elfman turned down this film for Charlotte's Web, which is also about a spider who uses her talents to do good. I don't know why they felt they needed to write that, yep. but I felt yep. the need to read it to you. No, I love that. <laughs> that was good. I thought, I thought you were smiling because you wrote that and you were proud. No, no. I wish. <laughs> I fucking wish. Uh, the budget of this movie, with an estimated budget of upwards of $350 million, it was the most expensive film ever made at the time of its release. So check this out. This film was reportedly the most expensive film ever made in U.S. dollars with a greenlit budget of $250 million. However... With the ground-up development of revolutionary CGI, the astronomical cost of shooting on location in New York, which reportedly was at least $1 million per day, and extensive wow. reshoots, which overran the production schedule an additional eight months, have led many industry insiders to speculate a final tab of upwards of $350 million. If this figure is true, then only Pirates at World's End beats this. Yeah. At this wild. moment, like even currently... And then the Avengers movies are underneath that. That's insane. I think the final tally on production time was like two years and two years and eleven months, or two years and ten months. Like they went way over. Right. They went way over. Uh, but it resulted in a box office of eight hundred ninety-five million, making it the highest-grossing movie of two thousand seven. Very much worth it, I guess. Uh, fun stats for you here. The first shot of the Sandman forming took roughly six months to create. Over 1,000 people worked on the film, some of them putting in the 8,000 hours needed to construct the 40 Spider-Man suits and other writing complicated CGI software. Uh, and then the last fun stat I got for you here is all of the screams, all of the many, many screams we hear from one Kirsten Dunst. We're all just reused from Spider-Man 1 and yeah. 2. Could have told you that. Could have told you that. That's really funny. Yep. Man. She just had her own Wilhelm scream by the time they were done. 
She screams and she does puppy dogs, uh, puppy dog eyes, and that's what that's she it. does. That's what she does. She has red hair. It looks better in this one than any of the other ones. I will, it's to say something nice true. about her in this movie. Her hair looks okay. Carboni, what do you think about this movie? Folks, it's not a great film. <laughs> if I had to, if I had to be honest with you, it's not a great film. I think there are a lot of fun ideas in this film. I think there are enough fun ideas in this film for two films. And I think uh, Sam Raimi and Sony really butt heads on this one, and you can tell, because he originally wanted it to be a Sandman movie, and I think all that stuff works. Everything else is real weird, guys. This is a weird one. Though I will say, I didn't have as terrible a time as I thought I would rewatching this. I literally haven't rewatched this one at all. Wow. So, yeah, I think I saw it in the theaters, and I maybe saw it once on DVD back in the day. And I got to say, the parts that I remember being horrible are still very horrible, but it's not as bad as I remember. Mm-hmm. Nick Scarpino. <sighs> Tim? Nick. I'm, I'm grasping. I'm a little tired right now, and I desperately want to pull this one. So let me see if I can find it here. Because, of course, you know this movie is known for its classic quotes, not the least of which is, Hey, hot legs, find me some shade. What the fuck were they thinking when they made these scenes? What were they thinking when they made this movie? I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why they thought it was a smart idea to cram all of these things in there. This movie's all over the place. And if you watch it and you're not a fan of Spider-Man, this is a great film. Um, if you're a fan of Pete Wentz, this is a great film. Uh, if you're a fan of, uh, of superhero hijinks and amnesia, this is the film for you. <laughs> Uh, I, I forgot just, about the amnesia. And oh, the yeah. No, how could you forget boy. about it? How could you forget about it? But, Tim, if I ever get amnesia and you walk in and you I think maybe you killed my father, but guess what? I, I can't remember anyway. You know what I'm going to tell the nurse when you guys leave? This is my best friend. This is my best <laughs> friend. I die for them. <laughs> to which the nurse, I would hope, would reply, oh, I hope it doesn't get there. <laughs> I hope it doesn't get that thing to say. Pretty extreme. Okay, uh, you don't remember your father, but those are your best friends. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, this movie is just a hodgepodge of uh, of not of a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of poor decisions being made, and, and one too many items or one too many elements, I should say. Mm-hmm. Right? Because uh, the Sandman, I actually really do like that story. I think Thomas Hayden Church does well with it. I, I like the fact that they it was it was a good attempt at making a villain that was conflicted, right? Because we can all understand his motivations and that, and and actually think that. Despite the fact that it's completely uh, revised in the history of Spider-Man, that scene between him and Uncle Ben where he's like, listen, man, I, I, it was a mistake and I was scared and, and the gun went off and I didn't know, that, that hits for me. So a lot of those elements, it almost makes it worse because you're like, oh, you had good stuff in there. Like, you, you had a good meal. Why did you decide to just pile crap on top of it? And then, of course, just the utter disregard for Venom. And that, and, and just how they played the, the Venom stuff is just like mm-hmm. so haphazard and so tacked on. Um, I mean, <laughs> you can start on Goblin. I gotta take, I gotta take on yeah. it, but we'll go through it as, as we're sure. going through the film. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's my, so that's my take on it. I'm not, I, I can understand that, like knowing what I know about Hollywood, how things get mucked up, and the fact that it took forever, and there was just so many elements thrown into this. You see it all here, and unfortunately, it just it didn't work out, and it is a spectacular failure. Classic. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. This is actually probably the Spider-Man movie I've seen the most out of all of them because it was the one that I actually owned and I had it on PSP. And so just be, just out of accessibility, I would watch this movie all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I 
the funny thing is for me when I watched this movie, I watched it separated from any other impressions or any anybody else's take on the movie because I was young and I wasn't the person to like look online to see like what other people thought about about a movie. And this one was so highly anticipated for me because I love Spider-Man 1 and 2. Spider-Man was my favorite superhero at that point. I was obsessed with the Spider-Man video games, both like the PS1 games, but then also obviously the, the uh, Spider-Man 1 and 2 for PS2, which were based on the actual movies. And I spent so much time with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man up to this point that like this movie for me was too big to fail, right? It was too big for me to look at it in any objective lens and go, oh, this is terrible. So when I watched it, like I watched it, I think in the back of my no- back of my mind, knowing that like it was messy in some places, but overall still like enjoying it just for the fact that I am watching Spider-Man three and they are finally doing uh, Harry's Venom and I'm getting the Sandman villain and I'm getting like I'm getting all this shit right. Going back and watching it over the years, it's become more and more apparent to me how like bad this film is. But this time around watching it, I think the thing my, my takeaway has been that I think there's something in that first half. That, like, mm-hmm. makes it a pretty decent film up until the point where Peter Parker does his hair and he does, like, the like the comb down with his hair. From that point on, the movie is terrible. Before that, like, in, like, that, and for, like, a good, like, I want to say 50 minutes or 60 minutes or however long up until that point, I think the movie is actually pretty decent. I do like the Sandman stuff. I yeah. think there's some good stuff or at least interesting stuff that they could have worked with with the introduction of Eric Foreman as uh, Eddie Brock. I thought I thought there was some fun stuff uh, involving that. Uh, even like the Harry Osborn stuff. I like Harry Osborn more in this movie than in the previous movie. That yeah. said, where they go with the Goblin stuff, I think does go and like get, get super weird and get super messy and ends up in a place that I don't love. Uh, but aside from the amnesia stuff, right? Remove the from the amnesia stuff. I thought Harry Osborn was way more tolerable in this movie, and even with the amnesia stuff, the amnesia thing being a very interesting and weird decision. Even with that, I thought there were some fun bits in terms of you know, what his relationship is with Mary Jane and, like... Appropriate. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 weird. And Mary Jane in this movie is weird. There's, like, a lot of weird stuff that I'm sure we'll get into once we get into, into the, the details. Yeah. Oh, I've known uh, it all. But, like, there's a, there's a lot of elements of this movie that almost work, that they just fumble because the movie is trying to do way too many things at the same time. And I think the second mm-hmm. half, for me, is very evident, where you just reach that, that place where the symbiote thing happens and like Peter's being an asshole and they have the music break and there's like a, a like a dance scene in here for some reason. I'm sorry, you'll have to be more specific. What music break and dance sequence are you talking about? Yeah, I'm sorry, about? but I don't, I don't recall. Them. I mean, there's, like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a moment in the movie where like, you know, Peter's on a date with Gwen Stacy and he takes Gwen Stacy to the, to the bar where Mary Jane is working at because she just got fired from her dream job. Right. After she breaks God, up with movie. Them. After, After she breaks up with them, because Harry says, yeah. and I quote, "If you ever want to see Peter alive again, you'll break. You'll do this thing for me." And she could have just been like, "Hey, uh, Harry's putting me up to this. He's psychotic. We need to do something about this." But instead, she just lets it lie. It was <laughs> just play this ball where it lies. Listen, is there logic in no. this film? No. Nope. Sure. In places, in places, <laughs> mm-hmm. is there logic throughout the film? Could you say there is an overarching logic to this film? No, that would be very charitable of you to say. <laughs> God. When, yeah, when she's talking to Peter and she's, she breaks up with him the whole time, and I'm sure everybody's everybody thought is, like, he's Spider-Man. You you know he's Spider-Man. Like, yeah. why are you right. allowing Harry Osborn, who at this point you just know to be Harry Osborn, a bit more scarier than he usually is? Right. Like, why why are you letting this man do this? Evil? Well, he did have a whatever. flying. He did have he did have a Kirby's air ride board and hold her up against. Like, she knows something's going on. That's a good point. Tim, where were you at? 
You know, I, I'm, I'm closer to blessed just in the sense that, you know, 17-year-old me watching this movie, I was like, I fucking love this thing. Like, I love that there's this element that I've been wanting to see pay off to. We're getting the second goblet. Like, James Franco's here acting insane. Like, there's a lot. The black suit Spider-Man, wow. But even when I was 17, I was like, this, this ain't it. This just ain't it. They fucked a lot of things up. And now that I'm 32, I still stand with every single thing where this movie is enjoyable to watch. I do think it's enjoyable. It is bad. It is a bad movie. It is demonstrably worse than the first two. And mm-hmm. I I don't love the first one necessarily. I think that I you know I love all of them. I don't think that any of them are great. This one though is the one that is bad. And I think the biggest reason is kind of like what Bless was alluding to a little bit about like it's just there's a point in the movie where it just like totally it drops off a fucking cliff. I don't think it's quite 50 minutes in. I think it's closer to maybe like seven minutes in. Uh, but there was like some opening moments where I was like, I was like, okay, okay, this isn't that bad. And then oh, it just, the biggest issue for me is the pacing of setup and payoff, where a lot of setup is pretty cool, but the payoff for that's not. Or there's no setup at all, but the payoff's fucking rad. But you need both of those things for any of these moments to hit at all. Like, when we get to the end of the film, and Dave, or James Franco comes in, throws the pumpkin bomb at Sandman, <laughs> Sandman goes, huh? <laughs> it explodes. And then Goblin comes up and, like, looks at Peter, and Peter looks up at him. The theme kicks in. He puts his hand out. They grab hands. I'm like, let's yeah. fucking go. Holy shit. And then it's just like, yeah, but that wasn't earned at all. <laughs> like yeah. this one cool, beautiful moment that was not backed up by anything except for a horrible amnesia story that, oh, my God, Nick bringing up the scene of them in the hospital, it might be one of the funniest acting roles I've ever seen. James Franco just talking. <laughs> I love you all. The accident didn't hit you, stupid. Like he plays it like he's like he's a toddler, like he's been like straight up. Yeah, that's what it is. But then I love it though because they're like, well, shit. Well, we really want him to team up with Spider-Man at the end. How do we get him there? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What about if the butler just <laughs> told him everything? <laughs> I was like, well, what butler? Oh, Bernard. Do you don't remember actor. Bernard? <laughs> Our favorite Dude. actor who adds the gravitas every line. When they, I heard when they cast Michael Caine in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, yeah. they said, we need somebody who can have the serious gravitas of a Bernard from the Spider-Man films. Michael Caine, do you think you can do it? And Michael Caine was like, I'll do my best. Like, I'll do my best, but you can only ask so much of one man, even if he's Michael Caine. Yeah. This yeah. movie treats itself like a cartoon. I think that's kind of where it falls apart in a lot of places because, like, a random butler coming out of nowhere and being like, I knew your father. He was a good man, but, like, he had some problems. Out of nowhere is, like, a cartoon choice to make of, like, cool, no setup, whatever, we'll, we're rolling with it. The fact that they did it in this movie that had two previous movies to kind of set up where we're at right now and had, like, a lot of movie before it to set up where we're at right now, yeah. such like, a weird choice. Contrast yeah. that with, and again, I know it's not the best in the trilogy, but contrast that with the moment where Alfred goes, actually, she chose, like, Harvey Dent. Right, and there's that big rift that that that's that's put in between him and Christian Bale when he finally comes clean about it, and you're like, ah, oh, if you'd have just told him back then. But we know that because we know Alfred's name, <laughs> we know who he is, we believe his moment because they have a relationship together. Who is this Bernard person? And why has he waited three years or however long it's not been three years? Like, why has he waited at, even a day? To be like, hey, man, I see you doing the same shit your dad's doing. He was a bad guy, and and Spider-Man didn't 
Like, I cleaned his wounds. First off, why? Why would you clean his wounds? What are you doing? We're clearly dead. dead. What are you doing? What are you? What's your motivation? I cleaned his wounds. Why? Why would that's creepy, Bernard? You're yeah, not the new Bernard. Uh, you're not. You're not the mortician, Bernard. You're the no. fucking butler, my Bernard's guy. Like, Bernard's like, I cleaned his his wounds and I put I put some clean underwear on him and I put and I did his hair. Like Bernard, let's just stop right there, Bernard. I don't want to see you in this light. Yeah, it's, it was a weird choice and honestly, it's just indicative of sort of like this script is all over the place and they wrote themselves yeah. into a really really big corner. Oh, here, let's and let's this jump is right the one let's thing jump that, right the fuck in. Let's jump right in. But just uh, to back up what you're saying there, Nick, it's like even things, elements that I, I, at the end of the day, would say I like more than I dislike, like Sandman. Like everything we're talking about, it's like, oh, he's like sympathetic and all that stuff. But then he also isn't at all. Like I feel like mm-hmm. we just want to see that because he's kind of just ready to murder motherfuckers. And he mm-hmm. turns into a big rock yeah. monster and he's fucking shit up. And like when he sees Venom, this fucking scary monster that Ali, that to him is not explained at all. He's just like, are you trying to kill Spidey? Yeah, he fought him out. Let's go fuck him up. Like that is insane and impossible to be empathetic towards at all. Yeah. Yeah. To it's, your point, uh, to, your, to your point, Tim, earlier about like the movie being a, I, I forget your exact words, but I think you hinted at it being kind of fun to watch, even though it's like a terrible movie. That's kind of where I, I, I stand with a lot of it of, the actual individual pieces of this movie come together are a lot of times very bad and unforgivable. That said, I look forward to watching this movie over and over and over again all throughout my life because there there are some great, like, really fun scenes just to follow along. And even, like, some good scenes, like the, the, the fight early on with Hobgoblin. His name is Hobgoblin, right? Hobgoblin. New Goblin. New New Goblin and uh, Peter, where he catches Peter off guard, and they have that whole fight that leads into his amnesia. I think that is a genuinely fantastic action scene. I was actually having a really good time rewatching that scene and going, "Oh shit!" Like even for two thousand fucking seven or six or whatever, whatever this is, this is actually a like this is actually pretty good up until the next scene where it leads into him having amnesia. Like it, there are so many there, there are so many elements and parts of this movie where they set it up and then the payoff is terrible or like. There's good payoff, but the setup was terrible. It's either it's one or the other. It's never both, which never is what you're hitting at. Dude, he, that yeah. There's some some of the best action sequences. I mean, one thing that we can say is by 2007, they knew stylistically how an action sequence in these films should look, and also the technology had sort of caught up a little bit. You're talking about that first Peter and New Goblin fight. There's a bit of that that's entirely CG, and you can tell that they're both entirely CG. But it doesn't bug you the way CG Peter running oh, yeah. on a roof in the first movie yeah. did. Yeah. Like, like they're there. Like they know what they're doing and they know how to kind of mix and match the CG and the practical scenes now in like a much better way. And yeah, the, yeah. like Peter Parker, up. Peter Parker they're fucking up Sandman man in the in the black Spider-Man suit. me is still raw. Like I still, no, I still love it as well. And like this, there's, there's like certain shots of like Sp- Peter as Black Spider-Man, like um, just like looking at his suit and going, "Oh shit! Like what is this?" And again, like there's so much potential in this movie that they just end up squandering, but still lends to me really enjoying watching this movie despite how terrible it is. Right, like I love that part, right, where he has this sort of like the the symbiote after four or five days decides finally, hey, I'm gonna bond with Peter. Why not? This is the, this is the correct time for this to happen in this movie. But it bonds with him when you get that wonderful. First off, I think all the all the black um, like goo stuff going on with face and like the actual like spidery way venom the venom symbiote walks is great. And so then it good. takes him over and he has that fever dream for a second and then it cuts and he's just upside down on yeah. the building. That is such a cool moment because he's like, how the hell did I get here? He's just been in this, like, trance until he wakes out of it. Yeah. And then he just flips upward. 
from the building, like to show how much more powerful he is than he was before. So stuff like that definitely works. But then when you guys talk about that original, that, that first scene, I do like that scene. But for some reason, they cut over to um, to Tobey Maguire's face, and he's just so goofy in parts that it just ruins it. And it's it's no, I I, I don't think it's I don't mean this as a disrespectful thing to Tobey Maguire because I think no. this is just how they wanted him to be the. And it's just him. This he's just kind of mm-hmm. goofy looking at parts because he's kind of supposed to be dorky. But it kind of it kind of takes a lot of the drama out of these fight sequences when you cut to him and he's just like. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> just I'm like just laughing because around, this is the running like, thread of Nick Scarpino and Tobey Maguire's punchable face. And oh like, yeah. And like I understand, man. There are some of those reactions where even like I saw one. Oh, at the end when when Harry gets impaled and they they do the thing where they look at each other, Tobey Maguire's got such a Tobey Maguire look on his face that I literally thought to myself, "I'm gonna hear about this from Nick tomorrow because this is a bad one." <laughs> it's a bad it's, one. It's just, again, again, we don't want to. We can't really compare these to the other Spider Men or the other actors that have played Spider Man because we haven't we haven't hit that yet. No future spoilers. But like when you talk about Tom Holland, the way he plays the character and just kind of having it be a lot more real, real feeling and a lot more charismatic it's, it's I'm glad that we got there but again to your guys earlier point this is the end of the era and i cannot wait to just carve this bad boy up let's do it but before we get to the plot let me tell you about our sponsors this episode is brought to you by arcane the netflix original series from the creators of league of legends arcane is a nine episode three-part series that follows the story of two young girls by and powder who were born in the undercity beneath tilt over their eagerness to prove themselves sets a series of events in motion that take their relationship to its breaking point and transforms them forever Witness the animation event of the year and see the champions you know and love, like Vi, Jinx, Hammerdinger, and Jason's stories will all intertwine in this action-packed series, whether you've played League for ages or if you're a brand new person to Rune Terra, Arcane is the perfect introduction to League of Legends' vast world, following the origins of some of its most iconic characters. Uh, it dives into the stories behind one of the most played games of all time, and you can too. Prepare for the epic battle that's only the beginning. Arcane is now streaming exclusively on Netflix. Next up, shout out to Shin Megami Tensei 5. It's the newest installment in the acclaimed JRPG series developed by Atlas. You play as a young high school student who's granted an accursed power to save his life. He becomes a new being that's neither human nor demon, a Nahobino. There you go. And you're suddenly transported from modern Tokyo to a post-apocalyptic world. You'll explore the demon-infested wasteland of an enigmatic realm that's filled with mythical deities and demonic tyrants in constant conflict for survival. Search for answers and forge your own path in a battle between light and dark, and your choices will dictate the fate of the world. Uh, turn formidable foes into worthy allies by recruiting them via negotiations, then fuse them to create demons customized to fit your playstyle. Shin Megami Tensei 5 has been fully rendered in 3D. You Unreal Engine 4, a first for the mainline Shin Megami Tensei series. You can pre-order the deluxe and standard editions of Shin Megami Tensei 5 today on the Nintendo eShop. Next up, shout out to Overland. You all know that Cozy is my middle name, but there's nothing I like to do every day that's cozier than slipping into some Overland sheepskin slippers. I've been using these, G's been using these 
Greg Miller has been using these, and he is now a proud papa walking around with that baby, and his feet have never been comfier. Overland uses expert craftsmanship to pair the highest quality merino sheepskin, which is naturally moisture-wicking, temperature-regulating, and antimicrobial. You know how I feel about microbes. With supportive memory foam midsoles in order to make slippers that feel better and wear better for longer. Don't wait another day to slip into something way more comfortable or give it as a gift to somebody that you love. Get the best, highest quality sheepskin slippers on the market at overland.com slash kindoffunny. You'll get free shipping and free returns. I recommend you go today because these slippers are slipping off the shelves, everybody. Uh, they're so beloved that they've been known to sell out. That's overland.com slash kindoffunny. Overland.com slash kindoffunny. And next up, shout out to Raycon. It's never too early to start holiday gift shopping, especially because right now you can save big on the best everyday gift. Some Raycon wireless earbuds. Cool Gray's been using these training for his marathon, getting his run on, and he got the jams in his ears. Raycon's have seamless Bluetooth pairing and noise isolating fit and amazing sound quality, which now you can customize thanks to the new sound profiles on the new everyday earbuds. They've got three modes you can choose from, pure, balance, and bass, so you can always have just the right amount of bass and boom, baby. Uh, so this holiday season, get the ones you love, something that they'll use every day, whether it calls for music, for calls, for work, for play, home, or on the go. Uh, go to buyraycon.com slash kindoffunny today to unlock exclusive deals up to 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only. And if you don't want to miss it, you better get moving. That's buyraycon.com slash kindoffunny to unlock up to 20% off your Raycon. Buyraycon.com slash kindoffunny. All right, Nick, kick Tim. us off. Tim? Mm-hmm. You know how you can carve lots of things? You carve up a pumpkin. You carve up a piece of pie. Let me so ask good. you a question, Tim. How's that pie? So good. So good. So good, oh. Tim. I love this movie. I love this movie. That, that whole scene is why I say this movie is enjoyable. Because the, the, the whole movie has the tone of how fucking absi- absurd. This movie is absurd. Like, everything about James Franco is absurd. <laughs> Yo, there are three people having fun in this film, Nick Scarpino. One is James Franco, because like we said, he didn't care from go. Number two, Bryce Dallas Howard, because oh, she wanted to be there. She wanted to be there. Number three, Topher Grace who rolled the fucking dice of his career on this yep, film. Sure did. All three of them sure are did. doing it, and they're having fun. Thomas Hayden Church is not having fun because he's, he's I believe, a method actor, and I believe he was sad the whole time because yeah. he was killing it. He was killing it. Mm. But don't you, don't you dare denigrate James Franco. You can denigrate Spider-Man 2 James Franco all you want, but this James Franco, this one's our boy. So it's one of those things where you think, like, I blinked for a second when I was finishing late last night. And I was like, am I watching Pineapple Express? It doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen. Spider-Man 3, and here we go. This title sequence is a shattered mess. Is that foreshadowing? I don't think so. I think it just ended up being that way. It's I, I love it, though. I love that it's the Raimi theme, and then it mixes in with the kind of, like, darker, sinister mm-hmm. theme, and we see the Venom, like, stuff tangling over the webs. Love this intro sequence. Uh, apparently, in a lot of European and South American uh, markets, this movie wasn't called, just called Spider-Man 3. It was called Spider-Man 3, like, Dark Reflection. Mm. And so they were going for this whole, like, shattered mirror so thing, cool. I think. Uh, well, they nailed it. It's me, Peter Parker, your friendly neighborhood. Well, you know. <laughs> you 
Do we? Oh, okay. I legit told McGuire VO. I do we? God. Like, they're not going to do this. Can you imagine if Spider-Man No Way Home just starts with Tobey Maguire talking? Okay, <laughs> y'all stand up and applaud. All three of them. All three of them have VO. The Somehow, Tom, and they can hear each other's VO. <laughs> they just communicate in VO, but they're all still talking about like themselves in the third person. God. Anyway, uh, things are turning around for old Pete. The city loves him, and he's 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 crushing all of his classes. And even dead Uncle Ben in heaven would be proud. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is Gwen Stacy. Why not? And Peter is in love with MJ, who is now a popular Broadway actress who cannot sing to save her life. But, but they allow matter. her to sing for an extended scene. Like, why did this scene of her singing go on for like three and a half minutes? Folks, that's musical number number one. Let's keep track of music and dance numbers in that's this fair. superhero film. But also, yeah, I felt like watching this again, I was like, are, am I supposed to be, do I like this or do I not like this? Am I supposed to like this or am I supposed to feel like she's out of her depth? How am I supposed to feel? And I, I couldn't really figure out what we were supposed to think. So when we get to the point where she gets fired because she's a bad singer, mm-hmm. it's very weird because I don't think you're supposed to think she's a bad singer. But the person they cast after her actually can sing. I'm not sure who that actress was, but she's, she has way better vocals. Right. And so you think to yourself, wait, why would she be cast in this to begin with? I mean, it's a Broadway play. Like, why <laughs> Why would they even compl- – it's a musical, for Christ's sake. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a musical on or off Broadway, but yeah. it involves singing generally. And you generally, you generally don't put someone in the lead that cannot sing. But I guess – you know Do you know that I auditioned for the Spider-Man musical in New York? Uh, you really – you literally and metaphorically dodged a bullet on that one. I know. I know. It was, I, it was really early on. It was when I first moved to New York, so oh. it would have been very, very early on before, like, when they tried to do it, and then they shut it down, and then they tried to do it again, like, ten years later. I went and auditioned for the first one. I went down a rabbit hole when we first started doing this of just reading about that, and I just found Wikipedia, and it's, it's bonkers. It's, it cost like $70 million. It was the biggest oh my God. like money loser in Broadway history by, like, I tried so crazy hard order to get to New York before it closed. Uh, I would have loved to have seen it, but there was, but chances are if you just started, you, you make it five minutes in, there would have had a malfunction, you would have to get your money back. Apparently. Is there any, like, had... video of it? Because I would love to watch there it. There is some. There is oh. some, actually. Yeah. Tim, if you just look at the pictures, it is unfathomable how this this show cost that much, but it did. It did. What but that's not what we're talking about right now. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? Or Turn Off yeah. the Dark. Turn Off the Dark. called. Music and lyrics by Bono. Uh-huh. And the edge. And edge. And the edge. Sorry. I think the edge was there as well. Uh, we're back, baby. Everything's going well for a good old Peter. He is mad. He's mad. Y'all, sorry, to- Nick. Yeah. I didn't stop you. Yeah. On YouTube, there is the full recording. Yep. A two-hour recording. Will we yeah, have this interview one day, baby? No, I think we should. I Look, really think we should. Here's what I'll say. It was, it, it was Julie Taymor, who was huge. She did The Lion King. It was very ambitious. They, like... They patented. You can see Spider-Man and the Goblin flying there. They would fly out over the audience. They, like, patented oh wire rigging that had never been done before for this Spider-Man. And it did not work very well because they, they killed one Spider-Man and injured two. Yeah. It was bad. It was it bad. Was very, very bad. Sorry, Nick. Back to the plot. No, this is incredible. Yeah, are you seeing this? Because, like, I just oh, want to bring attention it. to it for a minute because it is... That is not a great Spider-Man suit. That's mm. the thing is like they had to make so apparently there's a bunch of Spider-Man 
uh, actors that play in the play mm -hmm. uh, for various things because they can't re-rig them all the time. So when they evidently when they would see them, there's like different actors that would play the guys that are being rigged versus other things like that. So there's like a cast photo of like 30 Spider-Man. It's like I, how could how could they not have cast? It was a, it was a veritable Spider-Verse. It's ooh. But that's where, if you ever watched uh, Kimmy Schmidt, there was, like, a running gag in Kimmy Schmidt where, like, one of the guys is auditioning for Spider-Man 2, Too Many Spider-Men on Broadway. That's and great. the whole joke is because they had, like, 30 dudes that were playing Spider-Man. Oh, wild. God. Wild. Tammy <laughs> missed your calling. I don't I know. We're back to this. Peter and MJ, doing great. But not everyone's hey, happy. No, Harry's still me, mad. Let me do one more. Just one more. <laughs> that's it right there. I don't know. Crazy. Now, who, some of these villains on the left. Who's on the left? Is that Electro oh, on the left? I have no, no idea. That's, I just, that is a new villain. Some of these villains are new that. for the... Uh, for, it looks like a Delta Room villain. No, it's... it's because kinda... the thing that Julie Taymor wanted to do is she wanted to do Turn Off the Dark and Peter Becoming Spider-Man as a metaphor for adolescence and puberty. Uh, what it was really... Obsession? Why I is Spider-Man Spider obsessed with uh, adolescence and puberty? Was this like a comic book thing? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, it's the whole thing of it being a teenager. Yeah, just but like, like turn it into so some of these villains are like very much like representative of like teenage hormonal things. Oh it's no, very strange. But you've got Craven on the right, but for some reason Craven doesn't use a human head. He's got a prosthetic head. You got the goblin in the middle, who of course has multiple numbers. Like it's a weird show, man. It's a weird show. I can't wait. We're three minutes into this movie. It, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Not everyone is happy. Harry is mad. He shoots daggers at Peter with his eyes during MJ's opening number. Pretty soon, they're going to be real daggers. Pete, uh, Peter tries to tell Harry that his dad was a psychopath, but Harry doesn't want to hear the truth. Uh, then he slides backstage to tell MJ, uh, and she's, uh, that she was great. And she's like, no one was clapping. And he was like, oh, it's because you're a terrible singer. You should probably just stick with acting. It's okay. Your career will be just fine. No, no, no. He talks to about her about the house acoustics. Uh, and then Harry heads home to douse himself with the green gas and look at all Can the high-tech toys that he made with all of his failing grades in science. Sorry, this is the first and last time we see Peter Parker act like a human man and a human man in a relationship. Every other, every other choice or thing that Peter Parker says throughout this entire movie will be stupid. Yeah. Dude, but they for write... this one, he's a good boyfriend. This movie is full of dramatic irony and very bad writing. I like, like number one, I like the Hobgoblin, I like the Hobgoblin helmet on in Harry's apartment before he goes to his SSX tricky uniform that he eventually decides to go with. You no, there's know, a Hobgoblin does... in oh, the in the little like office thing. Orange, right? Yeah. Orange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like an orange and, it's like an orange and chrome, like a chrome version of the Hobgoblin. But it's cool. And I also that scene is kind of dope. You could tell James Franco's having fun and he like comes out looking powerful and I like that scene got me hyped. But it was pretty cool. Yeah, Nick, I need to get your opinion on something though. Mm -hmm. James Franco, like we we see Toby watching MJ sing, right? Mm -hmm. But then we get a cut to James Franco also watching her and he just has these weird little binoculars. <laughs> What are he your thoughts on the binoculars? <laughs> He's the only one with like old school opera glasses. It's just that I think that James Franco was purposely trying not to get hired back for the next one. I think he was desperate because there's also a part where when he looks down, he like he looks like a child that like just got into the cookie jar and just shit his pants while he was doing it. James Franco is perfect in this movie. How dare you? I do want to point out though that he's made. Not one, not two, but like ten pieces of new tech mm -hmm. after his father died. 
This man that we have seen for two movies now is struggle with science. (laughs) Struggle with basic science. And he has made a new glider. Now, I'd like maybe he started green gassing himself earlier and it increases your intelligence. But just keep that in mind. Uh, Over in the park, Peter and MJ lay on a big old web that he shot out into the stars. I'm like, oh, that's cool. No one can see him. And then it cuts down to the ground. You're like, oh, they're 10 feet off the ground. If anyone walked by, they would see this. Just quick. It seems like this where people are lying on webs really does make me wonder what those webs are made of since they come out of Peter's body and how long it takes him to make them and what he has to eat the next day. That's all. It's, yeah, probably a lot of broccoli. Um, a lot of asparagus. Peter professes his love for MJ. She's like, I'd like to sing on stage for the rest of my life with you in the front row. And he says, I'll be there. Uh-oh, though, Tim. Uh-oh, what are they watching in the sky, Tim? Lots of shooting stars, one of which lands 15 feet away from them, but they don't hear mm-hmm. it. And that is how we introduce I want to say that what, the thing that we said, which is why wasn't it just John Jameson, it was in an early draft John Jameson had brought it back. It was in there. And this is the first of one of the things that I think people say that, oh, Sony wanted too many, too many characters in this movie and, like, Tobey Maguire wanted out, and there were lots of reasons. Sam Raimi also, I think – um, was being real stubborn about this movie, and anything that Sony wanted, he didn't want, and he did as silly as possible just to sort of spite them. He could have done the John Jameson thing. He could have moved this stuff along. He could have made these things make sense. Because he hated them, he sort of chose not to. Okay. And I just... I'm a bad person. I just think, like... <laughs> I just think, like... We'll see more of this, but this is the first time we see it because why would it just be random? Why would why? it attach to the moped? Why would <laughs> why why wouldn't I, it, this, it's, this it's is, not even a, it's not even that an asteroid hits near a farmhouse and the amazing Spider-Man goes one second MJ I'm gonna go make sure everyone's all right. Check out what that is. Yeah, see it's this just, is how much leeway I end up giving these films and like this is this will give you context to how I view these films and like how much like excuses I let them get away with when I saw that. And this time around, I was like, oh, it's like a metaphor for the first movie. Like, he got bit by a random spider. He's getting, like, attacked by a random symbiote. Oh, it, make, it makes sense. Cinematic parallels. I like you. It's, You're doing it. You're making it's it work. like a poem. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Have you heard of the city? circle theory of storytelling? God. <laughs> Otherwise known as bad writing. The symbiote, of course, breaks free and attaches itself to Peter's mouthpad before it takes off. Now, a lot of people are asking the question, what are the motivations of the symbiote. Mm. Is it to observe and report, Tim? Mm. Is it to just hang out in the closet for the next four days? (laughs) Or is it to find someone who's strong and attach itself to that person so it can enable that itself to become, like, uber-powerful and take over the world? I can tell you this. It wants to dance. That was option four, and that was a a test, and Carbone just passed. It loves jazz, and it wants to dance. It's like, you know, on my planet, they don't have jazz, and I was an outcast, and now I a loser. Snap me some shade, hot legs. Back in the city, Flint Marco has escaped from prison and, and, and heads to the least likely place that the cops will find him, his apartment. Now, a lot of people say don't head to your apartment that you live in where your wife and child are when you're escaped from prison, but have you ever tried? You know what I mean? That's my question to you guys. Everybody returns to the scene of the crime. Nobody returns to the scene of just hanging out. Very true. Uh, Penny wakes up. He does good in this scene. Todd was hating the church that doesn't have a single line, and it's just he just does good. Well, he's a really good actor. 
Yeah. And I like the setup, obviously, uh, aside from the fact that it's silly that he would go home. He brings his uh, – his. we have a, a little bit of a, a fun storytelling here where he brings his daughter some letters that presumably were sent back to him that he had written her from prison. Uh, the mom, of course, comes in and says, you, we don't want you here. You've done some bad stuff. And he's like, I'm just trying to do the right thing. And then, of course, Penny wakes up and, and gives him a locket, and he promises to get the money to make her better no matter what it takes. And you're like, okay, I see where this guy's coming from. It's right. Hey, it's a little gray area here, right? Because I'm not a bad person. I just had bad luck. Uh, then we head back over to Peter, who heads to Aunt May's house, and scares the shit out of her with news that he's going to marry MJ. He's like, Aunt May, it's MJ. She goes, oh, my God, what's happening? He goes, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> you old woman. You old bat. I hope you have a heart attack next time. Uh, just like, says, she, has, she has PTSD from the Goblin yeah. Glider. Oh, like. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. But this Spider-Man is ready to propose. I just, like, the the logic of this world they're presenting to us just doesn't add up in any way. I don't believe you. Your relationship clearly, clearly is not in a proposed-ready state, Peter Parker. Well, you know, he's, he's still a freelance photographer making his way through college, and she's good. She's, let's put it this way. I think what he was thinking, Tim, mm-hmm. is the same thing we thought when we partnered up with Gray. Greg. Mm-hmm. Put a ring on it, lock it down. Lock it down. You know, mm-hmm. he's a rising here. star, and me and you want to just hitch our cart to that star because she's on Broadway, <laughs> and Peter is selling pictures for $30 a snap, living in the most expensive city on the planet. So maybe not they, a bad strategy for him. They, they try to, they try to like, give the impression of time passing and, like, try to let us fill in sort of what it is, but you're right, Tim. It's like they're asking us to fill in a whole lot of good times that Peter and MJ just haven't had yet. Yeah. yeah, and, like, especially having ended Spider-Man 2 with them kind of getting together. But remember, them getting together was her ditching her potential husband at the altar as she ran out. And the first sign of her now being with Peter was her being like, go get him, Tiger. And then her looking at the camera like, fuck, my life's about well. to suck. And then all we see is her life not going well after that. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because one of the things that, all kidding aside, I want to draw attention to here is, like, Peter's sort of actions that happen, and a lot of a lot of them are out of his control because he's been taken over by the symbiote who kind of enhances the meanness and the cruelty that that I guess any human being would have. But in this movie, he murders someone. Yep, or so he thinks, and then he hauls off and backhands MJ mm-hmm. and never apologizes for it, never once. Now, granted, you could say, hey, he, he, he accidentally hit her in the scuffle of trying to uh, incapacitate and or kill a fucking bouncer. There's just a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that makes him a very unsympathetic character. And we're just sort of supposed to forgive it because we're told that Pete's a good guy. And, and even up weird. until the end, nobody knows that the symbiote did that to him. He doesn't tell anybody that he ever that tells her. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. tell anyone. She has no idea. I don't think she has no idea. What's going on. just like... Hey, are we good? Yeah, I guess we're good. Do you want to me the one time, but I guess it's fine. I would have really, literally yeah. parade another woman in front of me and then yeah. punch me to the floor. Yeah, but I guess we're good. And you danced all over my my place of work. You danced yeah, all you over my, my work. place, all over it, all over it. <laughs> God, that's the biggest, nobody that's dances the biggest, all over my place of work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, he's like, all right, cool. If you're gonna propose, you might as well do it with this. And then she tells she tells him the story about how dead Uncle Ben fucking nailed his proposal. And apparently, I think I can't remember how it goes, but I think it went something like uh, he went to Disneyland and he had his best friend Tim film it. 
then he gives her, he's like, here, take this tiny little itty bitty wedding ring. I'm sure she'll love this. And he goes, cool, I'm ready to rock and roll. She said, we would have been married 50 years come August if you hadn't let that dude kill him. And Peter's like, oh. <laughs> 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 I'm making Peter the ring. He has a MJ's. Anyway, Peter heads home on his moped when Harry attacks wearing a cool N95 mask and some goggles. Uh, kids, consider wearing helmets when you fly around the city with your hover goggles. The SSX tricky of it all. Honestly. I love it. It's so 2007. Everything about these decisions. The green neon glow. No more The PlayStation 2 X games of it all. I Man. am so into I'm actually so into this. I think it's very weird that he doesn't wear that third helmet that we see. You know, because it's Goblin, then Hobgoblin, and then his final, like, it's tricky to rock a rhyme helmet. Right. And, like, he, he's not wearing that. He's just Francoing around the city. He doesn't care. Oh, he's, Frank just Frank, around. He's, he's just Francoing about. Man, last time I Francoed about, it had dire consequences. Well, Frank, uh, when Franco Francos about, it has dire consequences. You know, you know what why, I mean? Anthony? Because he's not wearing a helmet. Kid. He's not wearing a helmet. Wear a helmet or you'll uh, get amnesia. I, That'll make you fucking daffy. <laughs> this is that action sequence that we were alluding to in the beginning. And I just got to say, that first, like, when I saw the first, like, Peter and Harry Dude. fighting CG, I was like, yeah, you're learning how to make a movie. Yeah, I love this. 10, 15 more of these will really nail it. Uh, he loses the ring, and then they fight, and they go down the world's narrowest and longest alleyway while, while Harry throws knife pumpkins at Peter. And Peter's like, I hate those things. So Peter slings back uh, one of them momentarily, blinding uh, uh, Harry, and then he sets up a freaking clothesline, and Harry falls to the ground and snaps his head on a dumpster and then gets out of the I love the whole so, thing. Did, when he says, I hate those things, did the original Goblin have those things? Yeah. He so did. he did. Remember in the fire uh, sequence, right? Fire sequence, yeah. Oh, that's right. But they weren't—they weren't bats, though. They looked like shuriken or something when he had them, didn't they? This one was very. This one was closer in form to when Batman in in Batman Returns goes boop 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 boop, and then throws the battering and it flies on its own. Kind of looked like that. Got that. Mm -hmm. Got that vibe. Uh, What I I appreciate about this action scene is, and you guys talked about a little bit, where the CG is like it's it's bad, but it's like enjoyable to watch still. It, like, doesn't completely take you out of it. You can focus on, like, the choreography as opposed yeah. to the, like, disgustingness of it all. Um, but I appreciate that this is one of the few, if only times in the Raimi trilogy where we get to see Spider-Man swing fighting. Like, mm-hmm. actually having momentum moving through the alley and, like, using the different uh, scaffolding and stuff to, like, fight. I appreciate that. Because normally it's just kind of, like, more of a one-on-one fighter. Yeah. There's the the wall fight for Doc Ock, but it's cool that there's actual like movement and stuff. We see a lot more yeah. of this, I think, done very well uh, for this element of it in Amazing Spider-Man Two versus yeah. Electro. And yeah, like, this, uh, this is the part where the ring is like at play, right? Where he's trying to get back to the ring. Because that's how cool element too. Like in terms of action choreography, I always think that's a good choice of like having there be some kind of element or X factor to. Like keeping the viewer's attention on something that is outside of just the the core action itself, and this was like one of the few moments I would say in even these three movies where I was like, "Oh snap, this is all framed very well in terms of putting you into the fight." And it's a very Spider-Man moment too, right? Like here's Spider-Man ruining Peter's life, and Peter's saying, "You've got the ring, which is like the symbol of the whole thing." I was like, "This is this is good. They're figuring out how to juggle all this stuff." Um, and, and this is why, like you were saying, Bless, like when I was rewatching this for the first like 20, 30 minutes, I was like, oh, wait, I think maybe I like Spider-Man 3 more than I yeah. thought. Because this whole beginning is really good. And then also I just want to say, 
when Harry is like flying around on his thing, he mirrors some of like Willem Dafoe's stuff. Like he drags like the way he moves. Along, he drags his hand along the side of the alley just for yeah, fun. The way like cool. yeah, he's just, balloons. they're that's doing cool. stuff. They're doing stuff. Somebody watched the prior movie at least, and that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good start. Uh, I need you to move on because I need <laughs> to hear your thoughts on this hospital scene. All right, hold on. Before we get there, of course, the dude from Babe gets an update that they've cornered Flint Marco in the marshlands. Flint falls in the sand pit, which it turns out is a super secret experiment of demolecularization, which for Who some are these reason scientists? they're doing at midnight. Who are uh, they sciencing? And they're not watching this at all with the use of a camera or a window. They're just like, I'm sure everything is fine in there. I it's don't probably know. a bird. You could probably check to see if it's the size of a bird or something. Maybe bigger, we'll stop. Maybe it's a kid. What if it's a kid that's only there? Well, too late now. Let's just go I with think bird. James Cromwell also was a pretty dope choice for Captain Stacy, even though James Cromwell should know. Always a great choice. And I know that I'm going to catch some flack for the utter disrespect that I just showed Mr. Cromwell for calling him the dude from Babe. But he this is the is, dude this, from Babe. This is what oh, I'll tell you. If you haven't fucking watched Babe, and if you have watched Babe, and you didn't cry at the end of Babe, you're dead inside. That movie is great. That'll be Both Babe movies are amazing. Pig in the city. Pig in the city. <laughs> Pig in the city rules. Pig in the city rules so hard. It's Which one's so better? Good. Carboni, which one's better? Pig in the city or, or Home Alone? Pig two? in the city. All right. Pig in the city is way better. Well, when was the last time you watched Pig in the city? Yeah, he just said, yeah, he just said Pig in the city is done. What was the last time? When was the last time you watched Pig in the city? I think I only saw it once in theaters because I was a big It's a fan. brilliant anti-capitalist screed from uh from the one and only director of the Mad Max series. Damn. Okay, cool. That makes fun. I mean, I'll go mm-hmm. check that out. It's that one in Fury Road. Uh, of course, Flint gets mo- his molecules fused with the sand and dissolves into the sand, uh, including his clothes and his belt, which is presumably made of metal. Remember that. Uh, the scene is incredible. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's obviously it's cool. dated now, but it was at the time, like so much of the stats I was saying earlier, like this is the reason that so much shit was delayed. Like this scene alone took so long and like the, it was pushing CG forward in such an incredible way. But I love it. They tried to get artsy with it. Like I love the score. I love how just kind of they let this all play out and we see the rock start to move and as he gets up and like kind of falls and it's like this beautiful story of man. Yeah. And then and it, the rest of the movie happens. But also just the sound mix of this in- entire scene might be the most intense thing I have ever experienced in this whole theater the atmos mix on this it's spinning around and it is just it sounded like i was in a blender i need next time you guys come over i need to show you because it will scare the fuck out of you i am not okay with it i don't know how it got approved it is bad mixing for sure it's a really Uh, good scene though yeah yeah. i loved it and then we're like wow this movie's pretty good so far i wonder if there's anything bad right around the corner Harry wakes up in the hospital the next day with no memory of anything, but instead of using this amazing opportunity to talk to your friend about the things that have happened in the past when he's calm and collected, Peter just lets it ride. He's like, you know what? Shit's really going my way right now. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ride this tremendous fortune and wave of luck until it crashes against the he, shore. He literally says to the doctor, "Oh, is it? Do you think this is gonna be permanent?" And the doctor's like, "It might be," and he's like. Fuck yeah, Peter. Good enough for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the doctor's Peter like, uh, is such a self-centered coward, man. Hilarious. Uh, what are you then, saying that he acts like a toddler? Like, holy shit. Like, that nailed it. Like, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Like, what? direction that he's so fucking weird. Like, like if you cut over and he was just smearing his own feces in the wall, you'd be like, oh, Harry, okay. stop Harry. He's like, he's like, can we go get pudding, Peter? Like, we go yes, get pudding? Harry. 
Yeah, Harry. Harry's, Harry's been pudding, good. Please. Harry's a good boy. Uh, let's see. Then they leave, and the nurse tells Harry, hey, man, you got some lovely friends there. And Harry says, my best friends. And I give my life for them. And the nurse replies, that is very dramatic. It's a very dramatic thing to say. And he says, I also <laughs> kill for them. And the nurse is like, okay, this is going to go. That's literally not the way Harry acted before nope. his memory loss. No. Like, why would – they're not going back to square one. They're going back to something that didn't exist. <laughs> uh, over in the Marshland, Flint tries over and over again. This is a, this is, to me is the standout scene in this movie, in my in my opinion. I I like it. I think it's very indicative of the character itself and how he's trying to like mm-hmm. he's just trying to come back and like redeem himself to some degree and like do yeah. this thing. And he keeps falling over and over again until he spots the locket from Penny. Which I'm not even mad that it's made of metal and so is his belt loop. And so why the fuck would or his belt buckle? Why the hell would this locket still be made there? Why would not it not have gotten dissolved in his hand as well? But it doesn't matter because when he spots maybe Penny, the, maybe the belt buckles off frame, Nicholas. Why are his pants and his shirt still there? I don't know. Because <laughs> science. But he uh, science. that gives him the motivation he needs to put himself back together and go to work. Uh, I again, I think this is awesome. This is one of those scenes. This thing that Tim was talking about it took forever to render and all the animators and all that stuff. But I think it's totally worth it. They did three years of research for for the sand effects, which was like crazy. They had like sand sculptors like come in and do stuff for them. They were like doing wind tests. It was really, it's crazy. Like if you ever get a chance to watch like the behind the scenes making of for the sand effects, it's nuts. It's pretty cool. Uh, the next day, and uh, NJ comes over with. She's like, "Oh my God, the reviews are in." And they, guess what they said? I can't sing. And I was like, "Wow, I actually do have uh, a good opinion on things." It turns out, Tim, uh, regardless of what the comments say. Uh, and Peter's <laughs> like, "Don't worry about it. This shit happens to me all the time. I'm Spider Man. People are always trying to, bar- you know, criticize me." And she's like, uh, "No, I look at these words as if my father wrote them." And, and Peter's like, "Oh, I'll pretend like I didn't hear that because <laughs> that's a lot to unpack right now. And we're we got lunch reservations." Uh, when of course, Peter, when, she, when she's like, it's not about you, and he's just like, he's just like trying to put the happy face on, and he's talking about like himself, I was just like, holy shit, this dude is such a self-centered, like, let's just fix it and move on, and here's what I'm like, and it's just like, dude, this is, Peter is the worst in this movie, I cannot defend, I've been defending the rainy, the rainy Peter, you know, to you guys, and I can't in this movie, he's indefensible, he's not horrible. He's not my Peter. Uh, the scene is interrupted by Peter. a Peter. Now you put, hey, Cliff Robertson died making this movie. No Cliff Robertson jokes, Nicholas. Yeah. Don't you set him off, Timothy. You're right, you're wait, right. wait, this was Cliff Robertson's last movie? Yeah, it was, unfortunately. Oh, fuck. That's a yeah. hard one to leave behind. Yeah. Uh, the scene is interrupted by a police call that comes over the scanner uh, that talks about uh, a crane. <laughs> <laughs> That's out of control, man. The Spider-Man universe, we are just obsessed with cranes in this in this household. It's and then all he, cranes. he looks at uh, Mary Jane and he says, go get him, Tiger. And she's like, no, bro, we're talking here. And he's like, sorry, and he bangs out. Uh, turns out, though, we cut over. Gwen Stacy, very multifaceted. Very, very smart scientist, dedicated college student, and also copier machine model. Making Gwen a model was a very interesting it choice. Was an interesting choice. And it's it's funny because you think, oh, okay, well, she's a model. That's going to come into play to some degree. Or maybe the copy machines or whatever the hell she's modeling are going to come to play. None of that has any relevance to anything. I think they just wanted her to, like, 
be on all fours on a copier machine because that would be sexy or something like that. I'm not quite sure why this happened. She could have yeah. literally just been in the building. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. It's like there was no reason for it to be a photo shoot. And if you're doing a photo shoot to show off Gwen Stacy as like hot model or whatever, like even this was weird because she was just like hanging out by a copy machine dressed for the office. And I'm just – I'm just trying to figure out, like, taking the model thing from MJ and giving it to Gwen. I think that's and, like, what it was. Like, what are they trying to do here? And I think but it's, this, but is, it's, but this just, is more indicative of the Raimi thing where it's like, he doesn't know what to do with women. He doesn't know right. what to do with these women. I mean, that's what this reads to me as, is yeah. like, it's, it's, if I'm it's going, how do, how do we make a character that's somehow worse than MJ? And that's how we get Gwen Stacy. Because, like, the to the, to the model thing, like... I don't know, like, it, it, it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't feel... It, the way they introduce Gwen doesn't make her feel like an important character of the story. Like, it's not until later scenes where she comes back. I, I remember I remember watching this, this movie the first time, where she comes back, and I was like, oh, shit, was that the girl from the last scene? Like, right. this movie does not treat her like an important character, even though she's somehow an important character. But we have an interesting setup for it, right, though, because the first time we meet her, she answers a question that's very sciencey and beyond yeah. my ability to answer the question, and so you're like, oh, she's smart. And she's she's obviously... Going to Columbia, is that where Peter goes? Yep. I don't know, whatever university it is, it looks expensive. So she's smart enough to get in. We know her dad's a cop, and he's on that cop salary, so she's got some scholarships. Presumably she's put the work in here. There is a nice dichotomy between uh, between Gwen Stacy and MJ in this movie. And mm-hmm. to pit these two characters sort of against each other with through Peter could have been interesting. It could have been right. interesting to have MJ be jealous of Peter's relationship with this woman who has a lot in common with him. Um, and or vice versa, have have Gwen be like, I have a crush on this guy Peter because he's super smart. He's in my class, kind of yeah. dorky, and he's dating this famous Broadway actress. Like that's that's yeah. kind of an that's there's some interest there that we well, could have and played the idea with. That, it's, yeah. She make her a copy machine model. And the idea that she and Peter could could vibe on that level, you know what I mean? Like yes. that could be so, he's getting something from Gwen that he doesn't get from MJ. Right. And especially when you're trying to set up Eddie Brock, who are who we are about to meet in the worst way possible. Oh yeah. Um, setting up Eddie Brock as a mix between his amazing six his six one six Earth six sixteen and his ultimate, ultimate universe. It's kind of interesting. The idea yeah. of the idea of Eddie Brock as a bizarro Peter Parker, I think, is a is an interesting idea, and I think is something Sam Raimi tried to take to make Venom interesting to him because Sam Raimi hates Venom. So Eddie and Gwen being this bizarro Peter and MJ could have been a very cool thing, but they just set it up and then just leave it. They do nothing with it. I think the big problem is it goes back to in order for the MJ Gwen kind of thing to work, we need. Peter to be better than he is, and not just in this movie, in all of them, because when you look at his relationship with MJ, it's not, there is nothing missing from their relationship in his mind, because she's literally just a 10 out of 10 perfect to him. Even when she fails, in his mind, he's all googly-eyed and like, you were the best thing I ever saw. Like, it's just weird that they set it up as if she is just utterly flawless, or at least he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, she's, absolutely. Um... But it doesn't matter, because I'll tell you one thing right now, guys. All of that, all of that very, very well-constructed, and in my opinion, very well-worded criticism, you better take that and stuff it out the fucking window. Because the scene that happens next, come on. With him catapulting himself, the crane hits, whatever, the guy, ooh, and then Spider-Man flies in, and he saves her a split second before those fucking, like, massive concrete things slam into each other. 
Somebody knew what they were doing somewhere in this movie. Somebody yeah, knew the, somewhere, yeah. The, the action's it's on point. Part. Awesome. The action is great in this movie. The action's on point. They figured it out. But, like, they're the also trying to juggle 18,000 things in this scene where it's like, okay, well, the so crane's happening, and Anthony. then Eddie Brock runs up to Captain Stacy, and it's like, yeah. oh, my God, that's Gwen. Oh, by the way, I'm Eddie Brock, sir, and I'm dating your daughter. It's like my right. daughter's about to die, Brock. Get like, the fuck bro, out of here with yeah. that. Like, the girl you're dating is about to die. You smarmy motherfucker. You're smiling stop. with the camera. <laughs> Go back and watch that again, too, because and this is no disrespect to the guy from Babe, but no disrespect. I'd like to think that if anyone I knew, anywhere even remotely, like any of my friends or casual acquaintances, were hanging off the building above me, and I was I was about to watch them with my own eyes fall to their death like 40 stories, I would probably be a little less calm than James Cromwell was here. He doesn't seem like he knows this person that's that's dangling from the freaking thread above him. But it's supposed to be his daughter. He, like, he's not worried at all. And this it's very, very weird. Like, some people could say, Nick, James Cromwell, cool motherfucker, right? Cool as a cucumber. Maybe you just don't know because you're not James Cromwell. And I'm like, touche. Well, he also doesn't know until Eddie, until Eddie gets out his telephoto, right? But like, I don't know. Pay attention to what's going on in your daughter's life. Didn't you know she had the copy machine thing in Midtown at this very building this day? Probably a big deal for her. She's trying to build her portfolio. I mean, every, time I, have a co- every time I have a copy machine, she I put it on Tim's calendar, too, just so he knows why. Please. If, uh, I have a copy, if I have a copy machine, shoot, I'm telling the squad. Tim, I got that Xerox shoot tomorrow. <laughs> Tim, we're going to lunch after the Xerox shoot tomorrow. I'm getting that copy get machine tip. money. I want I want my friends to know. Exactly, Mundo. Uh, then Eddie introduces himself to Peter, and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Eddie Brock. I'm the new guy over at the Daily Bugle. And Peter's like, my fucking ass you are. Uh, then we cut over there. Miss Brant watches Jameson's blood pressure while we get um, uh, while he gets a presentation. And let me tell you guys, if you thought to yourself, hey, is this buzzer bit going to wear thin very quickly? You'd be right. You would be right. This bit is terrible. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam, buddy, baby, booby, I love you. And I'm, I, I'm your staunchest defender on this show. Listen to Carboni. When you say there wasn't enough time to put in all of these story threads that you wanted to put in, there was enough time for the five-minute slogan bit starring your brother. Can we just, like, pull back and take, like, let's see the forest for the trees view here, Sam. And I love Betty Brant. You know I want more Betty Brant in my life. This is not how I wanted it. Exactly. Monkey's paw of a man. Yep. Oh, wow. That is Sam Raimi's brother. Why? I did not even know that. You just blew my mind. <sighs> anyway, JJ, Eddie sneaks in, and, and he's all he's a little stinky, and everyone's like, what's that smell? And he goes, that's Brock, sir. And he gives JJ some new photos and wins out between his and Peter's photos because his are cooler. Uh, and then JJ pits him, does what any good boss would do, pits him against each other. He takes the pool coup, snaps it in half, so there's only room for one of you here. Uh, I want that public, I want the public to see Spider-Man for the fake that he is. I want, I want a picture of Spider-Man with his hand caught in the cookie jar. So Peter bounces. He's like, you're never going to get that photo. And Eddie's like, my ass, I won't. Peter bounces and sees a ticker tape that says Spider-Man to receive the key, the keys to the city. And who should stand right next to him, Tim? Stan Lee. And he says, you know, I guess one man can make a difference. Enough said. And it's like, Stan Lee, you are a treasure. Well, you are missed. Stan Lee uh, has said that this is his favorite cameo. It's a great of, of that it's, a, it's a great one. It's a good one. Uh, Harry and Peter head back to Harry's penthouse, and it's weird. Oh, my God. Guys, all right. I thought the hospital scene was like the peak of this. Oh, this is amazing. Them 
awkwardly bouncing the basketball in the hallway. It is so funny. And like Carboni said earlier, like somehow he has reverted to a completely new person. I never once would have believed that Harry and Peter, the Harry and Peter we knew from the other movies, have ever touched the basketball first off. But the way that they're all like, it had the vibe of like, yeah, remember when we were kids shooting hoops? No, guys, no. The Thomas thing is going on. Let alone if they had the basketball. It wouldn't have had Peter's name on it in Sharpie. It would have been Harry's name, yeah. if any. Harry. Oh wait, I'm sorry. You mean the guy that's six foot three, not the yeah. guy that's five foot six? The tall, good-looking guy who <laughs> like I think it looks clearly athletic that he would play yeah. basketball, not the guy that's donated his entire life to science. How did Peter Parker own one basketball? Get out of here! Yeah, Get out of here! And they're just, they're just like they're just bouncing the ball through the Dakota or wherever the hell Harry is supposed to live. And fucking Bernard is there, and he's just saying things, and he just can't even deliver a line. Bernard is in there, and he's just like, oh, boopity boopity boop, and I'm just like, I can't even remember what Bernard says, because it it doesn't sound like a human. It just sounds like a man reading off a card. It sounds like a 1990s speech synthesizer. You remember when you used to type into Max? Yeah. Like, back in the 90s, you'd be like, I can make my Max say, yeah, I can can make my Max say poopy poop poop, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like a human. It sounds like a robot. That's what Bernard sounds like. It sounds like they're whispering the lines in his ear as he's trying to say them. Why didn't they recast Bernard at any point during this trilogy? I don't know. Bernard! But I'll tell you this right now, guys. <laughs> Peter throws the ball. He's like, catch. And Harry's like, oh. And then stumbles. And then catches the face and palms the ball. And then Peter goes, you still got the move. <laughs> what? The moves, Anthony. The moves. In the Holy first movie, fuck. Peter gets into a fight, and somebody asks Harry to help, and he refrains. And that's the most physicality we ever get out of Harry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, MJ heads back to her show and finds that they have replaced her uh, with a lead that can actually sing. And no one's surprised. Uh, this is you a do not get fired from a Broadway show with a message on your machine. <laughs> Well, they said there is one throwaway line where he's like, we talked, we, we called her agent. Did the agent not, yeah. like, say that? Uh, and it's very, very sad. And, and the producers are like, we can tell people that uh, you felt ill or something like that. And she's like, no, nah, I'm just going to bounce. Um, let's see. Then uh, as she runs out, we get the scene in the parade where Peter heads to the parade for Spider-Man where they give him the keys to the city. Turns out Eddie uh, isn't dating Gwen after all. They just had coffee one time, and he's just been creeping her out ever since. Uh, and then a couple of beat cops chase Flint Marco into a truck full of sand. And, man, it does not go well for them. Uh, MJ and Harry catch up, and MJ confides in him that uh, she was like, oh, he's like, how's the play going? She's like, I actually got fired today. And he's like, oh, no, that sucks. Turns out Harry's like, he's like, you know what's funny? I have not meaning to tell you this. I've never really told you this in all the time you've been an actor, Tim. But back when you first started at IGN, I actually wrote a full play for you. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't, Harry. No, you did not, Harold Osborne. A delinquent who got kicked out of 15 schools. You did not sit down and write a play for a girl that you only hit on because your best friend who your father liked more wanted her. Wanted her. You absolutely did not do that, Harry. I also want to say that the way they're painting MJ as jealous of Spider-Man here in the first act is not a good look. And as much as MJ has been thrown under the bus for the past two movies, she gets real thrown under the bus in Spider-Man 3. She sure does. And, man, this scene is something. Gwen gives Spider-Man an awesome intro as he swings in as the marching band, who we can all agree 
are the true heroes of this film. Play the OG Spider-Man theme, and it slaps. It slaps, man. This is so awesome. And I will say for what Carboni's talking about, it's real bad. Like, they don't handle the story well at all. But there's two elements, three elements, that make this scene fantastic for me. One, the song, obviously. Two, the kids saying, no, Spider-Man, don't do it. it. Like, that is so funny. But then there's the third that legitimately, us as an audience, all of us, every time I watch this movie, I'm watching it, I'm like, Oh, don't do this. Don't do this, Spider-Man. Don't do this. Don't do this. This is bad. This is really bad. And every time he does it, and every time it hits hard. I, I, I don't give a fuck about Mary Jane in these movies. But in this instant, I'm like, no. You broke her heart. Why? Yeah. Why would he let Gwen Stacy take the mask off him to kiss him? Why would he do that? What in this moment? Remember, this is pre-symbiote. He's not wearing the symbiote. Exactly. He's, yep. he's just an asshole. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where, like, when you, no matter how you skin it, this is a dick move. And this is a move that Mary Jane has every right to be angry about. And especially since that was, like, the literal exact way they had their first kiss. And, like, the most romantic thing ever. And he's like, yeah, go ahead and kiss me. The kids will love it. And then, meanwhile, we have evidence that the kids will not love it. Kids that kid, the pro is like, don't do this to me. This is traumatic. I haven't discovered girls yet or my sexuality. Anyway, it's... A little kiss in, on the cheek, Gwen Stacy. Yeah, give a little kiss, kiss on the cheek. One. Not, not below the mask, above the mask. That's yeah. a superhero first base. Yeah, also, you know, like, you know Spider-Man, <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very weird. And, yeah, and, and goes, again, toward my, my point earlier where I'm like, Spider-Man, Peter Parker's actions in this are kind of shitty. Yeah. And yeah, let me tell you something. Degree, Once again, this is not Sony. This is not the studio. This is there's no way this was a studio note. This was Sam Raimi writing this. Sam and Ivan Raimi put this in clearly. Bad so, news. what's up? So you hate Peter from here on out. But do you hate I, Sandman? Uh, thankfully, Sandman nope. flies in and breaks up the the party because uh, he's on his way to rob an armored car. Uh, and Spider Man, Spider flies in and says, so "Like, listen, man, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm the sheriff around here." And then Flint's like, "Oh yeah," and just knocks his ass out of the car. And I like this scene. I think, oh yeah, this action sequence is cool and fun. It's so good. Thomas Hayden Church lost ten pounds of fat and gained twenty eight pounds of muscle. God, Jack, he is ripped in he's that big. scene. Anytime he stands, he does this thing before he turns into sand where he, where he like, flexes a bicep. He, like, bends at the elbow before he turns into sand. And every time he does it, I'm like, fuck, the Sandman's ripped. He's going to kick your ass, dude. Bro. <laughs> it's, it's definitely one of those things where, like, how is Peter ever going to beat him? And it turns out water is the key to him. Yeah, it's just water. Life. So has Flint not been showering since the accident? You don't need to. I mean, where's he going to shower? Uh, uh, the gym? Clearly, still got a gym member. The Y, yeah, <laughs> yeah, gas station. I'm so excited to see him and the other villains returning in a MCU produced movie. Like, just imagining, like the elements are there. Like, so many things look cool, but to actually have it have that next level 2021 production, let's go. That's, That's gonna be so cool. sick. Did you see the leak? Did you see the leak of the new Goblin suit? No. I'll show you the leak of the new Goblin okay. suit. Okay. Okay. We don't want to spoil it for the, uh, for the best friends, but it's out there you, if you want to see it. Okay. It's interesting that you mentioned this because this next scene is one that I feel – every Spider-Man movie has a little thing that like, kind of breaks the world for me. You know, I mean, obviously I've teased before, but the, the mention of, like, any real-world elements like Superman or Julia Roberts, stuff like that. But this one takes the freaking cake. He goes up to the top of the building and takes his boot off to shake it out, 
and the costume has a little stirrup at the bottom to keep it from riding up. And I'm like, yeah, what? <laughs> I love it. It just, it just is too real. It's like that's an element that you put as a costumer into the costume, so the boot stays correctly with the thing. But it's like weird that they left that on there for this. It doesn't look very good on camera, I guess. No, thinking. and what's funny is like when he's in the full suit, like there is no seam for that booty. Like no. it's all clearly one. It's very interesting. I, I want to point out that when he punches through, this has always been one of my fun fa- favorite fun facts. When he punches through Flint's chest the first time, mm-hmm. they hired a retired boxer who had uh, lost his hand. Oh. And so that's why Spider-Man is like throwing really good punches. And then when he punches through his chest, it looks convincing is because the dude just like took a swing and went right up against Thomas Hayden Church's chest. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, interesting. A little bit of a tidbit. Tim, where were you on that one? I had it, but you know, the thing I'm learning about Carboni is, like, I don't even need to write the facts down. He just has it here. I love, uh, I love the later that <laughs> night, Later that night, Peter heads out to his restaurant to propose to MJ. Uh, while MJ stews on the upside-down kiss picture, that's pretty much everywhere all over the newspapers in town. Uh, we get another cameo from a banger, Bruce Campbell. Who is it just- a cameo? Is it a cameo? It goes on a long time. How long on is a cameo to you, Nicholas? Let me ask you, Nick. You're a, you're a big you're a big movie sure. fan. You're a sure. film buff. Sure. You know all the terms. You know the lingo. In your mind, what's the difference between a cameo and a featured supporting role in a film? Just if we had to spitball it. If I'm spitballing off the top of my head, the amount of dialogue that someone has in this and the amount of time on screen. What would they have to have? Something like 20 lines, 20, 30 lines, half the dialogue in a scene? To be be a cameo? No, to um, be a supporting. To be a support. To be, yeah. I mean, Bruce Campbell definitely. This is definitely not a cameo situation like it was in the first one. That's what I thought. And so I once again want to say, Sam Raimi... Did you run out of time for story because of what Sony wanted? Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi? Samuel. Please. I'll, Samuel. I'll tell you this, though, uh, Carboni. Bruce Campbell's whatever uh, uh, fiat that he bought with the, with the money from this, he owes all to Sam Raimi. Because he was Dude, probably going to get like, one line in this. And, he, and Sam's like, why don't we buy you a house? And he's like, cool. I'll shoot when for 20 Sam Raimi secures the, when, when Bruce Campbell secures the bag, we all are happy. And I do want to say, like, he does have fun with it in his line where he's like, of course, I'm French. No, he says, I love it. Romance. I am French. Yeah, I am French. And they look at each other like, clearly you're not French. And I'm just like, this is good. But it takes up too much time in this film. Now, Bless, I don't think you know this because earlier Kev kind of alluded to it and you seem surprised. But do you know what the plan was for Bruce Campbell in future Spider-Man movies? No. Wait, was he Uncle Ben? Mysterio. He was Mysterio. Oh, that was wait. great. Wait, wait, like future Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies? Oh, so he's just everywhere. He just is this guy that keeps popping up. That actually would have they, been genius. They had planned oh. they had planned six films. Six were planned out, and the idea was Bruce Campbell would eventually be Quentin Beck. That would have been cool. How or could, he, uncle, how could he be Uncle Ben? How could he be Uncle well, Ben? Well, no, I thought you, I thought I, you meant like Amazing Spider-Man or something. I don't something. care. I thought you meant like other, like the fact that in in like future Sam Raimi shit, I kind of yeah. I kind of dig the idea that he's just like always been there and he's just well, an illusion in Peter's life or some shit. Well, because he, he's clearly omniscient. <laughs> he's always he's everywhere. He's at every major uh, intersection of Peter's life. He's a watcher, man. What is? It's Uatu. What is? 
Uh, MJ comes in. Things <laughs> go from bad to worse when she sits down. And who do we see also eating in that restaurant? One, Gwen Stacy, who pops over to say hello. And MJ's like, oh, how do you two know each other? She's like, oh, I'm one of Peter's lab partners. And and she's like, oh. Now, we, <laughs> oh, we did not know this. We knew that she was in the class, but we didn't know that they, like, really knew each other. Right. This Peter is, is such a skis, dude. You're shitbag here, Peter. You are a shitbag. Go ahead. You man. are into this girl. You're into this girl in your class, mm. and you just straight up let her try to make out with you in front of the entire city and the woman you're about to ask to marry you. Mm-hmm. Shitty dude. Not, not no, no, it yet. Let's put it this way. You got some. You got some explaining to do. You really you do. You got to do, buddy. He's so handsy with him, too, in this scene. Yeah. Gwen Stacy is just, like, massaging his shoulders. It's like, well, he's, again, oh, yeah. let's put it this way. Does Gwen Stacy know that Peter has a girlfriend? Because the way Peter's yes. acting, I don't think he ever mentioned her during the lab party. She says that Peter talks about him all the time. Or her all the oh, time. Oh, okay, good point, good point, good point. Oh, so Pete Peter talks just... about you all the time. I've heard so many good things. Again, though. Get your to... fucking hands off him, then. Again, though, again, though Gwen doesn't like Pete. She likes Spider-Man, just like MJ likes Spider-Man. Everyone, nobody likes Pete. Uh, she says, she's your lab partner. You saved your life. That was our kiss. Why would you do that? Are you trying to push me away? And Peter's like, <laughs> no, MJ, I love you. And she's like, do you? Because you just maxed it down on Gwen Stacy. Uh, MJ leaves as they bring Peter to champagne with a ring in it. And this whole scene is just... The humor here, the ugh, whatever. It's it's just, it just doesn't it's work. Just it's, it's doing a lot, but I, I appreciate, and it's another bad callback here, but the music they're playing is the song that MJ sang in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, even that feels tone deaf for Peter to choose, where it's like, cool, she doesn't have that job anymore, Peter. Like, yeah. this is just insult to injury. Like, he doesn't know that thought, at this point. Right, but if he spent five but minutes he, with his girlfriend, he, he was proposing to, yeah. Right. But to be fair, that like, and this is the thing too, is like, this is where the writing really starts to break down, and and the characters start to feel very, very thin. Mm-hmm. Is that he should know that the yes. movie doesn't feel real because MJ should have been like, Pete, I, I lost my job. Like, she should have called him and been like, dude, they fucking fired me, and I don't feel like going out to dinner right now because I just got lost my job. Like these are yeah. these characters talk like sitcom characters from the '90s, where it's all just stupid dialogue to get them into these dramatic irony situations that just are feel so dated at this point. What if I say anything but what a human would say in this situation? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What if I talk like... Yeah, exactly. Uh, Snowbike Mike just joined the conversation, and I'm curious to see what his perspective is on this scene. Mike? Yeah, that was crazy, man. I can't believe that. I don't know. Thank you, Mike. Um... We'll check in okay. with Mike again. Mike, Mike will hang out. We'll check in. We'll, we'll, I want to get his perspective as we as we continue as this story continues to progress. Uh, Peter gets a call from the dude from Babe. Turns out, Tim, you forget everything you know about dead Uncle Ben's murder because the guy with the frosted tips, his name eludes me right now. He's not the guy that killed Uncle Ben. Turns out, Flint Marco was the guy that really killed Uncle Ben. I don't hate it. Like, it, it, when you start thinking about it too hard, it ends up not making sense. Because, like, at some point, like, why would, it, at the very least, Aunt May not known, like, who the right. real killer is? Like, just, I'm not too familiar with murder, but, like, I'm pretty sure that if, if the police and shit found out and, like, were, like, hunting someone down for a murder, like, oh, it wasn't the person you thought it was, that's information they let you know. 
as a family. You, yeah, you'd be I really don't, surprised. I, yeah. I don't think Spider-Man needs more motivation to hunt down the giant man made of sand other than the crime man is, is made of sand and he's doing a crime. Right. I understand the motivation because the best Spider-Man villains have connections to Peter in his personal life. But hey, man, you've already got Eddie Brock in this movie. You've already got Harry Osborn in this movie. Could Flint Marco not just be a dude made of sand who's trouble? Yeah, I, kind of, I, I, I hated this a little bit, especially because we're coming, we're watching this coming off of watching Spider-Man 1 a few weeks ago. And if there was any sort of hint, I know they weren't thinking about it at the time, but if there was any sort of hint of like, hey, it wasn't me, like I didn't do it, or some shit like that, as yeah. Peter was murdering him, then I would think this is 100% like forgivable and cool. The fact that this feels totally like a... Metal Gear uh, uh, style. Hey, it was Nano Machines the whole time. Oh, yeah. Sandman killed Uncle Ben in that movie years and years ago that you watched and hopefully forgot by now. Uh, I feel my like it's such a weird choice. Who is standing just out of frame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you can't see it, but there's a supercut where he's actually holding the elevator door for the guy. Oh, I digress. Uh, Peter goes off on the guy from Babe, and the guy from Babe's like, hey, calm down, kid. Like, don't talk to me like that. And Peter's like, you just told me that the guy that I thought killed my father figure is not that guy. I have every right to be mad about this. Yeah. Uh, and now I have another chance at vengeance. Uh, so now he's going to go kill that guy. And it's I'm going to put that guy in the forever sleep. sleep. The line I wrote on this piece of paper did not hit. MJ comes over to check on Peter, and she brings up the fact that Peter straight murdered the other dude. She straight up is like. Which is weird. She's like, like the other time, too. Like, he fell. He fell, and I told you he fell. And it's like, does MJ think that Peter murdered someone? Yeah, it's like this. this hey, we're pulling back the layers of the onion here on yeah. this bad relationship, and thinking that your uh, your boyfriend maybe like murdered a dude like, or yeah, two. A killer. That's a big. But I also want to say, here's a moment where in this movie, MJ kind of acts like a person in a relationship. Things are going badly. Mm -hmm. She didn't communicate everything that was going badly but she knows and and because of that she was hurt but she knows peter's having a rough time and she shows up right she shows up anyway and peter's just an asshole he sucks so bad in this scene right it, it, he's it, worse it is another example of of just them choosing these character traits for no other reason than just to further along some sort of conflict between these characters it's yeah fucking utterly terrible and it's it makes actually for kind of a an annoying an annoying watch from here on out i but, have no sympathy for spider-man at any point during this movie which is wild to me yeah yeah um let's see oh this is the part so he pushes her away because it's a movie uh and then venom finally climbs on and venom's like you know what i'm tired of just hanging out over here in the corner i'm gonna finally climb onto peter uh, i'm not sure what venom has been doing for the past week maybe he was asleep but i'll tell you what Guys, this is the point of the movie where I think to myself, this movie could use 100% more jazz. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Oh, good. It's mm -hmm. coming. Where am I? And Peter wakes up in the all-new black Spider-Man costume, and it is dope as fuck. And then he talks to himself. He says, what is this? I feel, wow, this feels good. And then he takes off. Peter takes I over. But, I, I do want to say there was a there was a scene that was cut. I don't know if it was here or if it comes up later, like around the jazzy montage. But there was a scene where the symbiote fights crime and is very brutal. That was cut out of this movie. Hanging them up and shit, like hanging up like criminals, like in yeah. fucked up ways. I think it was, yeah, I think it was on like the DVD or the Blu-ray. It might not have been on the UMD, bless, I'm sorry. 
Damn, that sucks. <laughs> is this movie the reason why like we haven't gotten like a Peter in a black Spider Man suit since yep. it? This is the problem. I was talking to I was talking to Nick about this. uh, I think after we saw Eternals, but the biggest problem with where we're at with these Spider-Man movies is because they've rebooted, because there's been so many of them, we're almost never just going to get a pure good version of so many iconic characters and storylines and and moments like the black suit Spider-Man. Like, how would they even make that work in Tom Holland's Spider-Man? Like, I'm hoping we get some version of it someday, but like. I just think we know too much, and especially we'll see how they handle No Way Home, but it's going to be a tall order for them I mean, to kind of like button it up. I think it's easy, unfortunately, because we have because we have the Tom Hardy Venom right now. Uh, I think it would have been easy to do a black suit Spider Man because we had Infinity War, we had Peter go to space, we're going to have the Kree Skrull War in Phase Four. There are opportunities for this symbiote to find its way to Peter Parker that makes sense within a cinematic universe that maybe didn't make as much sense for these movies. But, I, yeah, because because Venom already exists in the SSU, like, I wonder if we'll ever see that. Yeah, it's just, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Um, yeah, I do, I do say, like, look, I like James Atchison. Y'all know that I love James Atchison's costumes throughout this entire trilogy. I didn't like the fact that Peter's spider suit was literally just his spider suit, but black. It rubbed I, me the wrong I, way. I'm torn on it, Carboni, because I remember when I first saw the the posters and shit, I was a little let down when I was like, oh, come on, like, we want to see the big white spider and all that. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of think that over time I fell in love with it. Like, the yeah. shots of him with the reflection on the skyscraper, and it's like the normal suit and the black suit, I like that it's the, the same thing and that it just kind of went over it. But Okay. There's a switchness yeah. to it that I like that I really dig, and I think it the fact that it's just a black Peter Parker Spider-Man man suit makes it so that Eddie's Venom suit can kind of stick out by comparison. Oh, unfortunately, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Venom uh, doesn't look terrible. I it think he does. He doesn't I don't think. Yeah, he also doesn't great. sound great. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Peter takes some of Venom over to Dr. Connors. It was pretty casual about the whole live symbiote thing, trying to bond with Peter. So but, casual about alien life. Yeah. <laughs> hey! So casual! Both of so them are so casual! So weird. Uh, later, Peter hears a, a call shades of, the, of the, Shades of the Columbia University being like, oh, did the super spider get out? Hmm. So mm-hmm. weird. I don't put that, is, hey, hey, Linda, make a note. The super spider got out. Oh, okay. <laughs> we didn't try that down. Well, how have how we, we been storing them? Oh, we've just been, like, putting them in jars. Yeah. And then putting paper mm-hmm. on top of the jar. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little, little piece of paper. You know, like a, that, that thicker wax paper we put it on top. It's fire. Uh, have you guys, have you guys seen all the the news stories about the the man out there that that has spider powers? You think that has yeah. anything to do with the fact that no. our super spider got no? Oh, okay. you know what? You know what, Tim? I think I did see that, but I, different spider, different spider mm, powers. No, probably different. different. See, hey, coincidence is a funny <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? And you know what we say in science. Correlation is not causation. <laughs> not causation. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be silly, Tim. Lots of people have super spider powers out there. Yeah, anyway. just like Spider-Man says, where are, these, where are all these guys come from? Where do all these guys come from? Uh, later, Peter hears a call over the scanner about Sandman and decides to take the Venom suit out for a spin. Eddie shows up and tries to take a pic of Spidey, but Peter calls him a chump and smashes the, his camera all over the place uh, and then takes out. And then Eddie's like, oh, yeah? Well, guess what? Would a chump have this cool digital camera? That's like, huh, I guess you wouldn't. Thank you. Uh, Finally, 
Somebody has a digital camera. Peter. Hey. Peter. Peter. <laughs> no, Cliff Robertson died. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Peter. Uh, let's see. Peter follows Flint down to the subway tracks, and they fight. Uh, they start to fight, and Peter uses water to beat him uh, and murder him. Tom I, lo- I love the scene, even though I don't love the water being the solution. I feel like the the uh, villain weaknesses in this movie are definitely kind of a weak aspect because I didn't care for the water and I didn't care for the uh, sound. Venom to take out Venom, and I don't know if there's any comic book like history there that leads yeah. to that. But either way, there it's is. not a great like it's not it's not a great solution for those. But what? the fight itself between Peter and uh, Sandman, I think, is sick. Like when he pushes his so face good. into the train. That shit is brutal in a way that, I, like, looking looking back, I'm still like, damn, they actually did that in this movie. That's crazy. And they really do. It does show more than that stupid later scene that we're going to be talking about. It does show more than anything this scene, the brutality of the symbiote, right? And it shows it in a way that we're used to in the comic books, um, which makes me wonder why Sam Raimi gets it so wrong for the rest of this movie. Uh, I do want to say Thomas Hayden Church broke three knuckles in this scene. They told him that uh, the column had been replaced with a breakaway brick, okay. uh, and the prop team had forgotten to do it. Great. And so they called action. He turned around to punch that breakaway brick on that column out of the way and straight up just broke three knuckles on the first take. Oh, my God. Good. Good. I've been there. I've been there. Uh, let's see. No, you haven't, you liar. I don't, dude. We put, we've all put knuckles into the role, Kevin. Kevin, I do you not believe for your art sometimes. Kevin got a back injury last week for content. Kevin knows. Yeah, it's true. For Kevin content. decided to go slip and sliding around some stairs. <laughs> uh, okay, so around. then he walks out, and guys, this is there's in my opinion, there's two phases to this movie. Mm-hmm. There's the setup phase, and then there's what we'll call the Hepcat phase. Right. <laughs> This is when he walks out, sees his reflection in a broken mirror, and decides, hey, my hair is not quite stupid looking enough. Let me just comb it down. So now from, I would like everyone, if they can, to comb their hair down. It's like from this, this point where I don't time. think there's a good scene left in this movie. <laughs> no, definitely wow, Bless. I think that's where it runs out of gas. Completely. And Bless me. is the believer. Yeah. Bless oh, is the believer. Even bad. more than me. <laughs> I think I mean, my, video essay breakdowns. Oh God, Carbone, you still look good though. That's not fair. Yeah, am I a bully? Am I a bully, McGuire? Now, bully yeah, McGuire, dude. You're emo spider. I've watched a bunch of video essays, like kind of in defense of Spider-Man Three and stuff. And that's a common video essay thing is for like people to try to find the good in objectively horrible things. And I've yeah. I've seen multiple ones where they try to be like, this is why the symbiote doing what it did to Peter Parker, to McGuire makes sense and like him why the jazz stuff adds up and i just i don't trust any of y'all like yeah, anytime i've seen okay bless please i'm not gonna know why not to I'm trust not, you i'm not defending the jazz stuff i think the jazz stuff was taking it way too far but this time around hearing the explanation of oh was, i think it was dr connors who's like the the symbiote just enhances what the person is feeling right it enhances who they are it is it turns you into kind of an extreme person a version of yourself i think the choices that peter makes Outside of the weird dance number and jazz stuff, all makes sense. Even him, like, walking around with extra swagger makes sense in my head in the version of Peter that was never cool. Like, he is being the version of cool that he thinks he is, and the symbiote is exaggerating that version of cool that he thinks he is. And for this nerd dude to be walking down the street and, like, being in his element and him thinking that, like, the finger guns and all that shit is cool, to me, does make sense. I think, actually, that lines up. 
Well, my thing is, I, I don't think that, I, but that, that movies don't it's support cool. that. It's I know not it's good. not cool, but like the, the, the type of dork that this Peter Parker is, I don't believe that even he would think this is cool. It's so fucking weird. It is. Yeah. No, it's really it's, weird. It's weird because it's, it's also, Sam, I, this to me also feels like Sam Raimi pushing back against Sony, you know? And being like, well, I don't know how to make this cool because it's not cool and it's not a good character and I don't like this arc. And it feels like him pushing back against it, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, like, thematically, remember in the last in the last movie, we got raindrops keep falling on my head. This is not a weird or out-of-style thing for Sam Raimi to do. It just doesn't work. Yeah. That's bad. It's real bad. Um, Let's see. Peter heads home. Where his landlord's like, hey, your rent's due. And he goes, you'll get your rent when you fix this damn door. And then I, I lied. There was one good scene left, and that was a good scene. I, I like that scene. Well, yeah. That was good. Uh, and and then again, he's standing up to Ditkovich. This landlord's just a slumlord. So it's like, don't feel bad about yelling at this guy, because sometimes no. you, you got to yell at slumlords to get shit done. Uh, then he realizes that the Venom suit is bringing out the anger in him, so he takes it out. Uh, Pete tells Aunt May that Spider-Man killed Slint Marco, and she's like, really? So she's like, no, he didn't. And he's like, no, 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 he fucking killed him. And she's like, oh, Spider-Man doesn't kill people, uh, uh, silly, uh, except for that one time he killed that guy in cold blood. But, you know, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not a guy who may have fallen there or not fallen. Then Uncle Ben meant the world to us, but he wouldn't want us living for one second with revenge in our hearts. And Peter's like, oh, no. MJ gets a job as a waitress slash singer at a jazz club. Not a real position. And then calls Harry, who has taken up a still life painting and actually is really good at it. <laughs> Talking about the, the Aunt May stuff for a second, that scene was very weird to me, just with the thought of, like, she knows he's Spider-Man, right? And so this scene is basically Peter sitting her down being like, I killed I kill that someone. man. Yeah. Which, like, is very weird. It yeah, this completely weird. undoes all of our, like, oh, in the second movie, it's very clear that Aunt May knows. She gives yeah. a ten-minute monologue that yeah. says everything but explicitly mm-hmm. saying, "I fucking know." Yeah. So does she not know anymore? I think she's in there terrified. Honestly, I think she's like, "Oh damn, yeah. my nephew's a killer." She's <laughs> well, got a goblin glider, goblin glider PTSD. Like my nephew's doesn't a want, now. <laughs> she doesn't want her nephew breaking in on a spider web and hanging her from something else. <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, let's see, uh, Harry tells Bernard that MJ is, or actually, excuse me, MJ gets a job as waitress, and then she calls Harry to, like, hang out with him, and she's like, I need a friend, and he's like, sure, come on over, and then Harry tells Bernard that MJ is coming over, and Bernard doesn't understand what a guest is, and I'm like, you are, you probably are the worst butler on the planet. Peter, terrible. Peter apologizes to Mr. Dickovich, who uses the opportunity to extort Peter for pizza, and then Ursula is super weird behind him, uh, and then we get some really grainy night footage of the Osborne mansion, and MJ shows up. Then... They start cooking breakfast, and Tim, I'll tell you what, when you when you first started dating Gia, man, when you were like, I really want to impress this this person who I think I like right now, and I think I want to show her how contemporary I am, of course, your go-to song that you put on while you were cooking breakfast for dinner was Chubby Checker's Twist from 1960. Mm-hmm. Just two 20-somethings doing what 20-somethings do, making omelets, listening to Chubby Checker. In 2007. So what, what way, is this, Carboni? Is this... Okay. This is the second official, because we've talked a lot about Bully Maguire uh, walking down the street to music, but that mm-hmm. I don't think has actually happened yet. But Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh, cool. We're, we're we're at number two for a second song and dance number. I appreciate you keeping us straight here. It's important mm-hmm. to you. 
Uh, then they read all 80 pages of Harry's play that he wrote for MJ, and you're like, oh, you actually did that? Never you happened! You actually did that. Okay. And then the two and, – and I'll tell you what. I hate to say this. And Blessing, feel free to, to turn your camera off after I'm done with this if you're in disgust because I know how much you love this movie and I know how much this franchise means to you. But Kirsten Dunst and James Franco have more chemistry in this five-second scene than Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst have in all three movies combined. Oh, you're right. Yes, he's not wrong. You're right. You're and not it, wrong. It's weird. <laughs> it's and bad. It's, it's super weird. It's weird how much MJ sucks in this scene again. <laughs> And then like, they decide to make her kiss him. Yeah. Like, oh, no. They take every, like, character that should be the redeemable character in, in this movie and mm-hmm. just turn them all into, like, assholes or just, like, unforgivable. Right? Like, Peter the whole, Peter Parker, the whole movie, is, is that thing of, yeah, like, uh, uh, Anthony put it well of, he doesn't have any good lines after, like, that first scene. Like, every, every single thing Peter Parker says sucks. And Mary Jane, who... I think has like some scenes here and there where I'm like, okay, like I'm 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 liking this compared to what we've gotten so far. They just squander it, and like this is one of the key moments where they just straight up squander it. Dude, if I was Kirsten Dunst, by the time this third one rolled around, I'd just be like, time for another Spider-Man paycheck because these people obviously don't know what I'm doing. I'm just gonna do my best. Make those it's, make those Marvel bucks. It's I mean we, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I would, I mean, I don't know, I don't know Kirsten Dunst. I've never met her. I wish I did, though. I wish I could reach out and just have a conversation for five minutes with her and be like, "How'd you get through that? <laughs> how did, how did you do it?" And then look at her mansion and be like, "I've done the same thing, Kirsten. I've done the same yep. thing." Uh, let's see. And then she's like, "Oh, I don't know. What I'm doing. Sorry, Harry. I shouldn't have done that." And then Harry's like, "No problem. I'll, I'll handle this well." <laughs> and he handles it by just going straight to the bottle. And guess what? Scientists, you fucking idiots. All of you dumb fuck doctors out there. How did you not know that alcohol is the cure for amnesia? You stupid idiots. All you needed was a little shot of Jack Daniels to bring all those wonderful people's memories well, back. No. It has to be out of a crystal decanter, though, Nick. Oh, is that what I'm missing? Is that the key factor yeah, here? The decanter that's the factor? Thing. If you have if you have any other kind of like whiskey or bourbon, uh, just sort of out of any other what I call working class vessels. No, oh, you mean the peon uh, vessel? Yeah. Yeah, the sort of things that you and I might have in our apartment. That's not going to cure anything. But um, if you have a lovely crystal decanter, all the memories come flooding back. It just also, comes flooding back. can I? Just, can we just? It took Kirsten Dunst like ten and a half seconds to run down that hallway. Mm-hmm. That was such a long hallway, and they held on that. Like I was just like, what? Is this for comedic effect? She's not getting anywhere closer to the end of that hallway. <laughs> it's. Long. It's also great. Can I tell uh, you all a secret? I watched this movie at 1.25 speed because I couldn't watch it at normal speed. <laughs> oh, I watched it at normal speed, all punishing two hours of it. <laughs> and it was still too long for her to go running down that hallway. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, let's see, Harry, uh, Dad's back, and guess what? You've taken your eyes off the ball. It's time. He's like, end me. And then he's like, oh, how do I do that, Daddy? He goes, oh, first, we attack. And he's like, wait, didn't you say that in the last movie? (laughs) He did. He did. And I want to say, the the step of this plan that involves forcing MJ to break up with Peter is actually a very fun and cool goblin plan if it's step one. The problem is, it seems to be the only step, because (laughs) after it happens, 
he leaves MJ alone. Correct. He lets everybody go about their lives. Correct. There's no follow-up step. It's not step to, get to re-kidnap re MJ so she doesn't tell Peter what's going on. There's no second step. No I love it because they do present it as like, a, oh, we have a master plan and like you're going to break his spirit. And it is like, oh, cool. What's after that? Where are they going with this? And yeah, it's, no, that's it. Just break his spirit. That's Make an omelet for his girlfriend, and then have her break up with him, and then just hang out. <laughs> Very weird. And, and they, you have to also understand contextually, right? Like she doesn't know that Harry's goblin, right? We no, I don't think this. Peter. I don't think Peter has has told anybody about Harry, including her. Yeah, at least trying to get out of it. He's like, "Yo, this motherfucker don't remember shit. I ain't saying shit." Yeah, but like also, just like again, a shitty fucking thing for Peter to do. Hey, you know that guy you hang out with sometimes? He's he's having like he's the goblin. He's gonna done some crazy shit. Like maybe you might want to warn MJ about that. But of course, you know Peter's probably just trying to protect her. Anyway, uh, Harry comes over and just immediately after it was crazy. Immediately just threatens her. He's like, if you want Peter to live, you gotta do something for me. And she's like, oh no. And in my brain, I'm like, do you think there was one take ten where he's like, you gotta do something for me. You gotta bring it on. <laughs> Uh, probably not. Probably not. Uh, and then she, uh, Ursula comes in. Peter, you got a phone call. It's out in the hallway. It's MJ. And she's super excited. And you're like, what side are you on here, Ursula? I love because Ursula. you clearly want to – you want Peter for yourself. You're willing to do whatever it takes. But you're acting excited that, that MJ is calling. And that's, I, I forget she, what that term is, but it's bullshit. I think she had a little crush on Peter, but I think now she and Peter are just friends. And I think she's genuinely just sweet and just wants the best for Peter. That's the read I got off it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what's the term I'm looking for here when someone's like... Simp? Yes, thank you. That's the term. Okay. She's simping on him hard right yeah, now. Yeah, she might wrong? be simping a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's sure. a little inappropriate. No one's redeemable in this movie, and maybe maybe we just turned a corner. Maybe that's the point of this movie, and it's genius. Have we, has that occurred to anyone that everyone's a bad character in this movie? Well, no, because they definitely try to redeem multiple characters, both New Goblin and Sandman. Like, they're, they're both supposed to be redeemed by the end of this film. Uh, anyway, MJ breaks it off with Peter, and then Peter ugly cries, he's like, boo, boo, boo. uh, and he calls him, he gives MJ the ring, and she tells him, listen, there's someone else, uh, and he's like, oh, God, that's so horrible. Thankfully, I've got Gwen. There's something so no pathetic about this scene of, about this shot of Tobey Maguire in his weirdly baggy 2007 jeans, like the strange, ill-fitting cut of jeans. his jeans, yeah. and he's just standing there with his rose, and I'm just like... That's literally the most pathetic feud I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then it cuts across the park, and you see Harry hiding in the shadows like this. My master plan is now unfolding. And then she, she has the binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, bring back the that opera glasses. It's ridiculous because they wanted this to be dramatic. They wanted yeah. this to be one of the mo most dramatic scenes in this movie. And it should have been one of the most dramatic scenes of this movie of, like, Oh, I, like, I have to do this thing. I have to break up with you because I love you and, like, I want to protect you. And, like, performances all across, I think, take this and turn it into comedy in a place where this should not be comedy. Like, this is another place where this movie somehow feels like a cartoon. Well, I felt nothing. I felt, felt nothing. You felt nothing because there are no stakes. Mm -hmm. Do you actually mm -hmm. believe that, like, Peter's life is in danger here? Here, let's follow the logic of this, right? Harry... Who I think he's going to trip over his jeans and hurt himself. Well, I mean, I've done that. His life is in danger. Not funny people like that. Uh, <laughs> but let's, 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 di let's dissect this for a second, right? Like, MJ doesn't know that Harry has these superpowers. She just knows he's got a glider and he's rich. And he, she, he says, I'm going to kill Peter unless you break up with him, right? Uh, to which I would reply if I was MJ, 
I'm not that worried about it because I've seen my boyfriend, who I know is Spider-Man, literally beat the shit out of dozens, if not hundreds of criminals at this point, some of whom are superpowered, one of whom had really, 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 really strong mechanical tentacles, and Peter just fucked that guy up. So He beat that guy up while he was beating up a train, so fuck yeah. off. So what I'm going to do is, is the second you leave, because presumably Harry's leaves after that, right? I'm going to call yeah, there's Peter no and say, due to the plan. No. He, I'm gonna he call walks Peter out and say, from behind that tree Harry's and goes and gets a bagel. Exactly. And so I don't, I don't understand what's stopping MJ from immediately calling Peter and going, hey, dude, that was Harry doing it. Like, I, I, I do love you. Let's work this out, right? Yeah, like, the there's, there's, there's nothing they set up to where, yeah, right after that, she can't just call him up. And I think the movie is presented up, presented at this point the fact that Peter can beat Harry's ass. Like, Peter beat Pretty up Harry in, in the, the beginning of the movie, and he was about to beat up Harry again. Yeah. And, like, you know, if, if there was some kind of stake of Harry approaching Mary Jane and being like, hey, like, I I have something on Peter, right? Like, I've rigged his house, house with bombs, or, like, I have your shitty dad in custody, and I'm going to fucking right. murder him unless you do this leverage. to Peter. Yeah. Leverage. If you had some if, some kind of leverage, I think that will turn this whole scene around. That, well, maybe not turn the whole scene around, but it will turn it around somewhat. To a point where maybe we can believe this somewhat, but there's nothing here that makes us go, oh, shit, there are real stakes here. This Just make scene, it make sense. Make it make the, sense. This scene is like the scene at the end of every, like, murder suspense movie where the main character figures out that Billy Loomis is the killer. And she's like, if you let me go right now, I won't tell anyone. And then Billy goes, okay. And that's the end of the movie. That's kind yeah. of what this scene is. You're like, no. Totally. <laughs> like, she's just going to go and tell a cop. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's cops here. Anyway, I digress. We've, we've gone too much on this. Uh, let's see. Pete meets up with Harry and confides in him 